coming up on episode 117 of Pixel Guide N. Cody reviews the new Atari game Yars Recharged. Eric prepares a half-assed game show. What has become retro since we started this show? Six good skeleton games. Eric and Cody catch up. No Tim. Eric got another EverDrive. And a really cool Vectrix solution. Cody acquires a large heavy TV. And you get to hear me rap again. And we are back for our second October episode of Pixel Guy Den. Happy Halloween, Eric. Happy Halloween. This is All Hallows Eve. Nobody can see it, but you're raising your hands and looking terrifyingly into the uh, camera. Yes. I'm it doesn't very translate ghoulish. into audio very well. But there you go. Yeah, I'm very ghoulish. <laughs> he looks like he wanted to say, Vaughn, to suck your blood. <laughs> uh, my name is Cody Hoffman. I'm Eric Nelson once again. And if you are looking for retro video game talk and retro inspired video game talk, you're in the right place on this episode of Pixel Guide In. We are going to start, as we always do, with some quick questions right up front. Uh, we have, uh, are, we're going to put you guys through the pain of listening to Cody's hip hop rap one more time. Um, Eric's take was last episode, which means Cody's corner this episode. I'm going to talk about an upcoming. Well, not an upcoming, but a, a currently really released Atari Recharged game. Uh, reviewing it, let you know what I think, seeing if it's worth going through the rest of the line. So I'm looking forward to that. I'm excited about it. Eric, you have a game show that you, how did you put it, uh, played by yourself. I did. Pl- I played it solo like uh, maybe a few days ago, and I was very I- intrigued by what was going on with it. So I'm we're going to try it out on you and see what you like. So I will be playing with myself on air here. <laughs> um, then we're going to catch up about what we've been doing recently in the world of retro video games. And last yep. but not least, finishing out the 2023 spooky season with six good skeleton games. Yes, six good skeleton games. Of which there are many, many, many skeleton games, but we had to limit it to just six. Yep. And by the way, Tim is not going to join us for this episode. Um, we, he will be back next month, but this month he uh, had to take care of some business. So he will not be joining us. So uh, we, we do miss you, Tim. It's not but the same without you. Take care of that biznatch. Perfect. Eric, do we have anything Perfect. else we need to say before we hop into quick questions? No, let's go right into it. Well, then let's do that. All right. We answered some great quick questions last episode. We have a few left from our patrons and a few that we submitted ourselves. The first one is from me. And Eric, I wanted to ask you this question. It's been five Mm -hmm. years since we first started Pixel Guide in. Our first episode, I just checked it out. August 14th, 2018. That's a long time ago. Five years. Isn't that crazy? We broke five years. Hmm. 
I was five uh, years younger and 20 pounds <laughs> lighter. And, uh, and three pounds less gray. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, I'm like so gray. I've always been gray. I've been, I, I think I've started that phase. I'm graying quickly here. But in that time, Eric, has anything become retro to you that wasn't before? Now, I bring this question up because I was thinking about our first, or I think our second episode. And the first one of the things we wanted to get out of the way quickly, right? We wanted to give you all controversial right up front when we defined what does retro mean? What is retro? Right. What systems are retro and why are they retro and what are not? We don't mm-hmm. need to get into all that right now. All I want to yeah. know is, in five years, is there a system that is now retro that maybe wasn't to you originally? I think so, yeah. And I, I want to mention two things, and I'll be pretty brief on them. One of them we already talked about last episode. Okay. In my main cabinet is the Raspberry Pi 3. And if we think about when that released and when I built that, that is becoming kind of retro. I mean, it it, it really is because the, it's the so emulation old now. computer itself, huh? Yeah, the emulation computer itself um, is getting retro. I mean, that's not the best answer in the world. I think I remember when we first started, I would listen to podcasts and uh, and even articles that would argue the fact that the PS2 was not retro. And I remember when we first started, people would say that. And I was like, even back then, I was like, well, come on. I mean, it it is. But they, they every, a lot of people claimed it was just too modern to be considered retro. I don't think people are making that argument anymore. I think the PS2 now is solidly retro. All right. All right. What about you? Um. Mine, it might be one or two or three. I'm still on the fence. And I would, I'd have to go back to listen to what I talked about in that first or that second episode of ours. Okay. Um, one that I, I firmly feel, and I don't have anything to back this up, and I'm not going to argue it, just from my own, just off the top of my head, the Nintendo DS is retro to me at this point. Okay. I don't know if I would have thought that five years ago. At that right. point, the 3DS was still out. Yep. And uh, it was just the one right before the 3DS. Now we're on to the Switch. And two generations ago was the DS with two screens and uh, games that we can easily emulate now by putting an SD card in. Mm-hmm. Not emulate, but actually just play on the real hardware. Um, and I think it's a one that we really haven't explored much. And I think we really should. I, th- I remember we played one... Was it Meteor? I think we played Meteor on the DS. I remember we played we played Meteor, and that was fun one. That was a great game. I was very surprised that that was so good. And I think there's a um, lot of hidden gems on that that we have just haven't addressed at all. No, I would love to. Um, I the DS is an awesome system, so that would be fun. Um, that is one, and I think we've always kind of felt we've always included Wii in our discussions, but there's a lot of games on the Wii now that just can't be played today. You really mm-hmm. have to emulate them, and it's, they're even hard to emulate because of the nunchucks. So, right. from, in my mind, the Wii is, is gotten there. Yeah, and uh, if you go back uh, last month, Tim covered the Wii and how to hack it up the wazoo. Yep, absolutely. And at this point, for me, and I, I wouldn't argue this because it's, it's still so fairly new, but the 3DS is another system that you really need. There's no way to emulate that. It is its own no. thing. Especially if you want the 3D. Yeah. You have to play it on the 3DS, and there's games that are locked on that system because you need the 3D. Yeah. So whether you want the 3D, if you want the 3D, for sure, yeah. 
And I think that was such an underused and underloved system. I think that 3D effect is super well done and cool without glasses or anything. It still boggles my mind. So, right. Yeah. A lot of Nintendo systems, I guess, in my mind, have feel retro to me that maybe others wouldn't consider yet, but definitely more so than five years ago. The DS, for sure. I agree with you on that one, 100%. Future episode, maybe. I don't yep. know. Uh, 48k Rams got a few more questions for us. Yep. So he says, what are two games that could keep you entertained for an entire month and why? And he's, he mentions, I've gotten back into Carlton Hanley's excellent puzzle platformer, Millie and Molly. Do you remember that one on the C64? I do. And, and you and I both, I think did not play it because it's just a genre we hate. <laughs> yes. I'm, <laughs> I'm sure it's a, a great game. A but... Yeah. I'm not a puzzle guy and. Uh, that one, I, I do appreciate its high quality. Yep. I, I did watch a lot of videos and it was awesome. And Carlton uh, Hanley's made some other great games that are really well done, including yes. that game from what I hear, just not my thing. That's right. Two games could keep me entertained for an entire month. Now, here's where this is tricky. I'm, I'm assuming Josh is talking about some older, older games because... Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's games right now that if I picked up right now, I could be entertained for a year and not see it all. I mean, games are huge now. They're they're huge, definitely. 100%. Even even games on the PS2 or any of the systems we just talked about that may or may not be retro are big enough that you could absolutely spend a full month on them, if not plenty more. So I think we're going to limit this question. If you agree to, maybe we're talking about older games that maybe they're score based, maybe they're they're not about beating the game, or if they are, they're shorter, like NES kind of a game. Or what do you think? No, I think what are two games that could keep you entertained for an entire month? I think games that would have some variety to them so that even if you beat it, you could go back and it had some replay value, um, especially if you're talking retro game, which I'm going to assume that's what he's talking about. Like, you're right. I mean, I could pick any modern game like Baldur's Gate and like I could play that for the next year. Well, Twisted Metal on PlayStation 1. I mean, there you go. Boom. I could play that yeah. for a month. I could play that for a month. I, and I do sometimes. <laughs> um, so I'm going to pick a game like back catalog games that I think have some replay value. That's the way I'm looking at it. And I have to admit, I haven't given this one a ton of thought. I thought I had an answer, but now I'm kind of going back on it. Yeah. I, I really struggle with, you know, if we're talking about anything pre Super Nintendo? Yeah. I, I I don't know how much there is, except for, again, games that just have a lot of gameplay. So, you know, like a Super Mario 3 or something that has just a lot of gameplay to it. But if we're talking about, like, yeah. an arcade-style game or a classic game, um, you know, maybe something like... Um, See, those are even hard. Some like a shooter where you're trying to perfect it, or, or it's just so hard it's going to take you a long time to memorize all the patterns. Um, but see, even games like I loved on the NES, like Contra and the stuff, that were really difficult. Once you figured them out, like you sit down with that for three or four days, you can you can beat it, even though it's really hard. Nintendo hard game. I struggle with this one. If if we're talking about that genre, that era. They're games I like to pop in and play, and if I really, really enjoy them, I might play them for two days and then and then move on. Yeah. So I guess the answer is no. 
he wants two 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 games but the answer if we're if we're talking about that genre is is not 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 a ton i'm gonna play pierre solar there you go i'm recycling from last episode i'm gonna play that that that's probably got a good 20 hours in it oh i would yeah if i if i was gonna pick a 16-bit game yeah there's tons and, and maybe i'd start with secret of mana which i still have not played action plat- action adventure game i get, i mean from what i hear that's going to be a solid month right there yep pick that um i might pick a game like and i know we're talking retro so this is not going to fit but one of those games that i i got into but i realized this is i'm over my head like a stardew valley um you know one that people play for three years and never stop playing it and they love it. They go crazy over it. Um, but honestly, Pierre, Pierre Solar is a good one because it's an RPG and there's a lot of time I could sink into that. Um, but what are those um, RPG games though? They're where they have class systems so you can play them over and over again and try different classes and stuff like Final Fantasy games. Yeah, JRPGs. Um, Maybe I would try to finish, finally finish Final Fantasy VII, which I've always tried to do, and I probably scratched the surface like 10% of it, never had the time to finish it. Or even the Super Nintendo Final Fantasy games would be... Yeah. Great to to delve into. Yeah, so I'm thinking that. um, So those two games would keep me busy for an entire month, I think. Not sure if we answered your question or not, John, but there you go. Uh, yeah. Josh, sorry. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, one thing I would like to do for an entire month is order things and receive them from RetroRewind.ca. How do you like that, that transaction? That transaction was beautiful. Um, Eric, I hold in my hand a device we haven't talked about for a while, and I don't think enough people have this, but... Retro Rewind sells everything for your Commodore computers or your Tandy Coco computers. This includes the uh, VIC-20. It includes all your Amigas, your 16, your Plus 4. But it also includes everyone's tried and true favorite, the Commodore 64. Absolutely. I want to focus on that today, Eric, because something we might not have talked about in a while, but I think it's very cool. comes in this very cool uh, sparkly printed case really well all their stuff is really well done the labels are really nice they're not peeling off they're really attractive you just have to check this out at retrorewind.ca i'm holding the commodore 64 av adapter now this plugs into your monitor port in the back of your commodore 64 and it breaks out all kinds of options for you that you wouldn't think possible of course you're going to have your audio uh either in stereo your left and your right or you can move this little uh jumper down here to make it mono again or uh, and you have audio in as well as out. You have comp video out. You also have S video out. You get S video right off the back of your Commodore 64 with this device. Yeah, um, that's amazing. You can also put your the audio in, turn it on or off on here, and you've got your Chroma High uh, with a jumper there as well. I mean, it takes your audio and your video ins and outs, and you can play with them any way you need to to get whatever you need for the monitor you're trying to connect it to and make it look amazing. Uh, and we're, and we're only looking at 28 bucks for this thing. Um, I, so I have that, but I have a crappy generic version and that I bought well before retro rewind was on the scene. And I want to buy this one because it's in a nice little case that looks really cool. It looks very nice. Uh, it sounds like this. Exactly. Frank at retro rewind does such a great job. Um, just making things look super nice, but 
this is one of the more handy things because with the Commodore 64, you have to have a special cable that then goes into whatever monitor you have and you have to store that cable and do whatever. This thing plugs in the back and uses the most universal cables you can think of, the composite or S-video. I mean, why wouldn't you do this? 28 bucks and you never have to worry about cables for the Commodore 64 video again. And if you're like me, you've got a bunch of old classic computers that use a similar cable, but all of the cables are pinned out differently. My MSX is different than my Tandy, which is different than my Commodore 64, so this takes care of that. While you're there, grab all the other things you need for your Commodore 64, whether it's a new freeload cartridge made with that same quality from RetroRewind.ca, a Commodore C64 uh, switcherless kernel switcher that you can wire into your, your Commodore 64, uh, joypad adapter so that you can plug a Genesis controller into your Commodore 64 without it blowing things up. Trust me, that's a thing. Um, yes. You can buy cart cases, a Kung Fu Flash to get all your SD images onto an SD card into your Commodore 64, the LumaFix module to help clear the jail bars on your screen, Wi-Fi modems, oh my goodness, it keeps going, replacement uh, PLA chips and SID chips and transit cards, and oh my goodness, there's so much stuff on here, including... We might have forgot to talk about this in a while, but just little plastic bits that make your life easier, Eric, such as the case saver or the post savers for your Commodore 64. I have a few Commodore 64. You open them up and the posts are all brittle and broken off. These will replace that and allow you to put the screws back in the right spots to keep your Commodore 64 closed without the little plastic bits that are broken inside rattling around. So... That, and that's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I can't right? tell you how many of those stupid little case clips that I've broken off opening right? the C64s. So head on down to RetroRewind.ca. While you're there, log in and use code PG10 at checkout. That's PG as in Pixel Gaiden. PG10. Save 10% off your entire order. So thank you one last time to our show sponsor, RetroRewind.ca. Hey there, it's Tim. And I've got all the information you need about the Pixel Guiden podcast. If you didn't know already, you can find the show Podbean site by visiting pixelguiden.com from your browser of choice. And while you're on your browser, why not check out our podcast feed on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network? You can find it at anchor.fm forward slash Amigos podcast. Have you got any questions? Has something we said driven you crazy enough to want to call us out? Or you just want to say hi? We love getting your feedback. So here are the ways you can contact us. You can reach us on the show Twitter account, which is at pixel underscore guide N. You can email us and our address is podcast at pixelguiden.com. And if you want to reach us directly, that's Cody, Eric or Tim. The best way to get us is through our Discord channel on the Amigos Retro Gaming Network. You can get there by becoming a patron of our show at $3 or more, and we will get you a link to join the fun. If you want to reach Cody, Eric or Tim directly, you can get us on the following platforms. You can reach Cody on Twitter or X and that's at oddball49. That's oddba one one four nine. Eric is also on Twitter and on Mastodon and you can get Eric on Twitter at the project. That's D-U-H-P-R-O-J-E-C-T and at Mastodon is at the project at oldbytes.space. And Tim is on Mastodon at Sanxion, that's at S-A-N-X-I-O-N, at oldbytes.space. If you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, we'd love it if you'd give us a review, and also for any of the other podcast catchers that you may use. 
Here on Pixel Guide N, we'd like to announce every patron subscriber that subscribes at a $3 or more level by using our random adjective generator and a little bit of song. From all of us here at Pixel Guide Dan, Eric, Nelson, Cody, Hoffman, and our boy Tam, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. David Mona Lack, the girly think he's kinda cute. Scott Martin looks the snake, Matthew Ackerman's astute. Henrik Lowell's delectable, although he ain't edible. They say Josh Malone's grab, but I think he's quite astute too. We got the elegant Dan James, who's not enchanting like 10 minute a meter retrocast, or Eric Sandgrave, Primrose. Whatever the heck that means, I'd rather be punctual like my boy Mache says now ski. Here at Pixel God Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tim, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. Paradroid's elated, Mitsuyama's envious, and the games we play, David Vincent is a mess. It just goes to say that your mainstay isn't always the right way when you're living like Ann Stiller is. Steve Rasmussen can be a bit expensive. Mr. Toast is brainy, Jason H is apprehensive. Grandma K. Rama K is busy, not breakable, like Brian Arsenal. Right, like David Cavallari, and honorable, that's why he wears a monocle. It's possible that the crowded Mark Richardson can listen with the blessing of Paul Jacobson and the condemned man named Adam from the Commodore Chronicles. Here at Pixel Gap Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tim, we send a warm thanks to all our patrons. We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends. From all of us here at Pixel Gap Dan, Eric Nelson, Cody Hoffman, and our boy Tim We send a warm thanks to all our patrons We can't pretend that you're not much more than friends Hello, one and all, and welcome to Cody's Corner for the month of October. Um, I told you earlier this month that I was going to be covering the new Atari Recharge series, which is a really cool uh, in-concept uh, series that Atari is doing, where they take their old titles and uh, freshen them up, make them kind of more modern, but keeping the sensibilities of the original game. And they've looked excellent. Eric and I have talked a lot about them on the show. Uh, so I said, you know what? I'm going to force myself to dig into one of these by covering it here on the show. So uh, I think there's nine of them out right now, including Asteroids Recharged, Centipede Recharged, Yars Revenge Recharged. And guess what? The one I'm going to run with this time is indeed Yars Revenge Recharged. And I want to pick Yars Revenge because I want to pick a game that I'm very familiar with. There's a couple other games on here I'm not as familiar with, but they look great, by the way. Um, and kind of see what they're doing if... If the uh, the game and the gameplay itself is as good as they make it look, is it worth $9.99? Each one of these games are $9.99 on all the various current platforms. Um, so yeah, I wanted to dig into it and uh, see if it's worth digging into any more of these. So I started with Yars Revenge. Uh, or, I'm sorry, <laughs> Yars Recharged. So just to let you know, I'm going to go ahead and play some music here in the background, but the original Yars Revenge is a 1981 game released on the Atari 2600. <laughs> I'm sure most of you guys are out there listening to this show are familiar with this game. You know what it is. It's a really unique uh, game. Um, there's nothing else like it, and it was a very popular game on the 2600. Uh, very simple in concept, although when I was a kid, I had this, t this title, uh, keeping in mind that I was a little bit younger than the audience when this was kind of a big hit, right? I was about 
eight years too late to this party. I was a Nintendo kid, but I did have an Atari. I did have this game and never knew what to do with this game. Never knew how it played, never understood it, never had a manual. Uh, so I plugged it in a few times over my life, never could figure it out. And it's actually only a few years ago I finally uh, looked up the manual, learned how to play this game, and realized, okay, it's actually a pretty good game. Now, now I kind of get it. And so really quick, uh, I'm going to have to read some of the manual to explain this, but when you're looking at uh, Yard's Revenge, you're looking at a game, a black screen, and you're looking at basically five things on the screen. At the far left is a block, and it's called the Zorlon Cannon, and this is one of your weapons, although you don't directly control it. I'll get to that in a second. Right next to that, a little further right to the screen, is a vertical bar. It's like a rainbow. They call it the neutral zone, and you can't shoot in the neutral zone. Uh Kind of in the middle of the screen or going all over the screen is your character, which is technically, it's called Yar, right? So it's your revenge, which is funny because there was no original game. So I don't know where the revenge came from, but this is Yar's revenge. And if you read the cattle, the uh, manual, it actually says Yar is not a spaceship because it looks like a fly. Uh, it is a fly simulator, my friends, not a spaceship. So the fly simulator, I'll probably just call it your ship from now on or Yar. I like your ship. Um and your ship can shoot little missiles, it basically bullets, straight ahead. They always shoot straight ahead. Uh, and then you have, uh, on the far right of the screen, the main enemy. It's called Kotile. It's Q-O-T-I-L-E, or Quotile. Quotile? I'm going to call it Kotile from now on. And then Kotile has a shield in front of it. The shield kind of change, changes depending on the level. And as you shoot the shield, pixels of the shield will fall out. And you'll notice that those pixels are always rotating. So the parts you shoot remain broken, but they move throughout the shield. So you just have to keep shooting the shield until you can clear an area in front of your main enemy, Kotal. And then uh, every so many seconds, I don't know, 15 seconds or so, your Zorlon cannon will just shoot across the screen. And it will shoot to where you are. So not only do you have to clear in front of Kotal, the, the shield in front of him, but then you have to stand in front of him so that your Zorlon cannon will fire in your direction, past you, and hit Kotal without hitting the shield. Um, Kotal has this one little uh, flashing dot that goes around the screen. You can't touch that, otherwise that will kill you. And every so many seconds, a destroyer missile, which is basically a big like warp swirl-looking thing, will shoot directly at you, and you have to dodge that. And that's essentially the game. That is Yara's Revenge. Uh, so most people already know that game. You're not learning anything new here. And, uh, you, you know, you beat the level, the, the screen flips out and blows up, and then uh, and you go to the next level, which is slightly different. All right, let's talk the reason of the season here. Yars Recharged. Now, Yars Recharged is a... It very much... Well, at first, it, it somewhat resembles Yars Revenge. And as you play it, um, you'll kind of realize more and more how much it is like Yars Revenge. Um, but also the brilliant ways, there you go, I kind of gave away my opinion of this game a little bit, that they improved the game. Now, the first thing they did is, obviously, the graphics are these this cool, neon, modern-looking graphics. And they did this to all the games. they all in, in similar a similar style. So nothing nothing here that's going to be different between the games primarily, which is a good thing because they look, they look excellent. Um, what you are going to see as you play this game, is that, first of all, the there's a really cool-looking background. Um, you're actually, 
you actually look like an insect, a flying, I don't know if it's a dragonfly looking kind of thing. I'll call it like a wasp dragonfly. Um, it's probably a wasp. I think it looks like a wasp. And the um, the codal, or if you want to call it codal, I'm going to call it a core for this game because it reminds me a lot of the cores in like Gradius. Um, there might be one on the screen surrounded by hexagonal, these kind of like hexagonal shields. And the shields can be either light gray medium gray or dark gray or later in the game they're like super white um and that's how many hits it's going to take to get through those shields some of the shields rotate around the core some of them stay still sometimes the cores are floating back and forth in space sometimes they're staying stagnant um you can actually scroll up and down the screen actually goes a little further up and a further down than your initial screen depending on how many bad guys are on the screen at any given time um and you've got, of course, the, the codal, which shoots a, uh, a swirl at you every so often. And it still looks like a swirl. Um, it has a great audio cue telling you that it's going to shoot. But then there's also going to be various other weapons kind of mixed into the shield. So there's these little cannons, these turrets that shoot three shots at you. There are, um, I don't know what else you want to call them, turrets that will shoot in all six directions uh, every once in a while and just shoot, shoot around. Um, and then there's really cool things like some of the shields are linked to the cannons. So if you decide, destroy certain cannons, like maybe the one here and one a little further away from it, all of a sudden all the white shields in between are now light gray, so you can destroy them quicker and easier. Um, and it really creates a lot of strategy. Um, there's also... Uh, I mean, there's, there's so many little details that as you play. When you first start, you realize all right, this is pretty basic. Is this really going to be that much fun? As you keep playing, you realize how many little nuances keep layering on top of each other. Nothing's complex. It's all very simple in theory, but so many things happen at once that it's just terribly exciting. So as you destroy shields, um, it'll leave little, I'm going to call them coins behind, little energy pellets, and that'll fill up a yellow bar on the side of the screen. When that yellow bar gets completely full, your uh, your cannon, what do they call that? The... Uh, the Zorlon cannon will pop out on the side of the screen. You physically go back there, and then there is a neutral zone. It makes a little honeycomb pattern. You're going to go back there and hop into that cannon, and then it'll allow you to scroll up or down on the far left side of the screen. And if you shoot quick enough, you can shoot two shots uh, from the cannon towards the cordals, the cores. Um, or if you wait a long time, you're trying to get that perfect shot, eventually you'll only be able to get one shot. And yes, these are the only way to destroy the cores. However, if you uh, shoot them and they hit shields or any of the other thing, they do a lot of damage to those as well. So they're kind of multi-purposed in this game, which is really cool. Um, let's see what else. There's laser beams. There's other turrets that shoot laser beams. Some of the label levels get really creative where you might have a large block of shield with a whole bunch of turrets and things and laser beams that are always on spinning. So you kind of have to... Uh, follow around the laser beams, find a weak spot to get your way into the laser beams and destroy them. So now you can get to another part of the shield. Um, without sh sh seeing it, it's kind of hard to describe, uh, but it's very, very cool. Um, now the levels start as kind of a certain, uh, you know, a certain look and color with uh, kind of red, every, the, the main offsetting color kind of being red. As you just get past, I don't know, 10 levels or so, you make your way towards where it gets a little harder, it becomes blue. Um, and hopefully I'll get further so it becomes another color and I'll, I'll be able to see how, more, how much further I can get in the game. 
Um, there's so much else I can tell you about the game, but it would just take a whole lot of time. It's probably not that entertaining. But ultimately, uh, there's a few modes of the game that you'd want to know about. The main is arcade mode, where you try to start at level one and play your way all the way through. Now, the levels are really well done as they get easier and easier, but they're also procedurally generated in a way that... Maybe they're not procedurally generated, but they're mixed up so that you're not always playing the same first few levels. Um, there's always a little difference. To, to the levels, so it doesn't get monotonous trying to work your way back to where you were to try to get through the whole game. There's two-player on this. I have not touched on two-player because uh, I literally have downloaded it this morning about four hours ago, and I've played it all day since. I have not done that in a long time. I am addicted to this game. I am absolutely loving it. Um, what else can I say about it? Oh, another mode. So there's, of course, Arcade. Uh, there's another mode that's called Missions. If you want to call them like puzzle elements or something like that, it's one level at a time. Typically a little harder, but the goal is to get through them. Um, when you beat that level, it will not only give you your score for the level um, based on how quickly you did it, how many cordals you destroyed, how how much life you have left. Uh, you get three three hits, by the way, three, three bars of life. And... Um, and it just adds a lot of replay to the game, as does the achievements. There's all kinds of built-in achievements. So, you know, you want to win within 20 seconds to get a certain achievement, or you want to do this. And I think that adds a lot. I do think they could have harder achievements, maybe more of them. I've already unlocked most of the achievements um, to the point now where I'm just trying to complete the full arcade mode. But uh, I, I, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can just keep spewing, but I won't at this point. What will I? What I do say about this particular game yars recharge is i'm addicted i absolutely love it when you play it if you're a little bored at first give it not too much time 20 minutes maybe and i think you'll be you'll be you'll be uh, sucked into it now i do i was aware of yars revenge before uh but i've this i've already played way more of this than i've ever played yars revenge in my entire life so uh this is not based on nostalgia this is just a good arcade shooter in that kind of weird old retro vibe where they're like, hey, let's take some limitations of a system and see how we make a game around it. And, uh, oh, there's a, there's a mechanic I did not talk about, which is key to this game. So you can shoot bullets. It's a twin-stick shooter. You, <laughs> I should have said that up front. It, it goes away from that direct horizontal shot to a twin-stick shooter, so you can shoot in any direction, which is key to this game and then if you get up close enough to the shields you actually aren't shooting them you're nibbling them and you do a lot more damage that way so there's a risk reward scenario to being up close to things and uh, trying to get things done quickly but then there's a risk because now you're that much closer if those cannons are about to go off or they're closer to a bunch of other cannons which are shooting at you which gives you less room to disperse bullets to dodge between it really feels like a variety of different games, arcade games, shooter, um, strategy puzzle. It's everything mixed together, and I absolutely love it. I'm just going to give it a score out of 100%. I've only been playing, like I said, about four hours, but I absolutely love it. I'm going to give this a 94. Excellent, excellent game. I really hope the rest of the Atari Recharge games are as good as this. I was kind of doubting if they're worth $9.99. Uh, to buy these games but now that i have played this um this is absolutely worth 9.99 the other games again hopefully it will be worth 9.99 as well uh i was worried that they'd be too simple they'd be too basic and they'd be too short on my attention span but they've done the things you need to do to keep this going keep the entertainment factor going so high praise 
Thank you, Atari, for doing something right, um, hiring some good developers, and uh, and getting a, a, a good quality game out there. And welcome back live to Pixel Guide N Studios, where Eric Nelson and Cody Hoffman are opening a fresh beer. We are. This beer is a project product of China, Eric. You chose this one. Product of China, Master Gao. Dong! <laughs> Najing. Nanjing Black Beer. And it's got this cool picture of like a little dragon kind of deal on it. Yeah, very cool. Um, and it's hops. a very, very monochrome can. It's just kind of purple and white or blue and white. Very classy. Um, classy. It is a mini can. We, we we had a mini can last time, 11.2 oh, yeah. ounces. They, this little mini can. They stole 0.8 ounces of beer from us, I see. Yep. So this is uh, brewed and bottled by Master Gao in China, but imported by uh, some other company. United, United International Oxford CT. Yeah. Did you? I thought this was interesting. I saw it on the shelf, and I was like, you know, I'd never had that beer before, so I'm going to get it for the podcast and I generally like black beers. I don't know if I've ever had a black beer. I'm going to open this over my trash can in case it explodes in my face like was happening for the last two months. It did not explode so in my I face. So I am pouring this in. It is indeed black. Oh, really? Now, the the note on the nose to me is of almost tea and blackberries. Yeah. It's very like a... It, it does have a tea smell to it. One thing I noticed right away, not heavily carbonated. Okay. Um, it's okay. got a slight head on it, but hardly any at all. You would know mine's in a can. I can't tell yet. Okay, but here's mine. So you can see it. Perfect. And cheers, my friend. Cheers. A little sip of this bad boy. It does have that thick, stout taste. It's got an interesting taste, though. It's interesting. Uh, if, if something can be thick and thin at the same time. Yeah. You know what I'm talking about? Like, it's got that yeah. thick stout, like it's so much flavor that it's almost muted. Yep. It's almost got like a, it, it's, it, it feels on the tongue like a lager, like very light, like very, very easy. But then the flavor, like. So full it, that so, it's numb. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it, it. It's weird. The taste is thick, but the texture is thin. Yes. There you go. It's a paradox. Mm. This is going to take me a while. Like, it's, it's, it's a new realm I don't know how to comprehend yet. That's why I got it. I figured it would be unique. That it is. I'm tasting... It's almost like... More coffee on when you taste it than tea. Not like yeah. creamy rich coffee, but like coffee grounds. Almost a slight bit of cocoa nibs. Yeah, like cacao, like seventy four percent cacao, coffee cacao. grounds, but with like a berry essence. Yep, it's a very interesting beer. Huh. All right. Well, we're gonna have to put a number on this thing. I'm not sure yeah. if I can pin it down yet, but out of thirteen tombstones. What are we going to give this beer? Yeah. I'm going to give it a... I'm going to give it a... Eight. 
Okay. Yeah, probably an eight. I think I'm interested enough to give this one a nine. I think it's drinkable. It's okay. easy drinking and full flavored and intriguing. Interesting. But at the same time, those things all sound super positive. But I'm not sure that I love it. Yeah. Would you <laughs> so, drink it again? Yes. I think I would too. Yeah. I'm going to give it a nine. I like it. Okay. Woo. As I bump the mic. Bump the mic. Um, yeah. 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 I mean,. I think it's I think it's the best one we've had in October so far. <laughs> wow. Yeah. So far, so good. It's a good. low bar. That's a low bar, but... <laughs> Only one more beer yes, left this October. Let's see if we can uh, find a 10 or above, but... Exactly. Well, for you, an 8 and above, I guess. 9 and above. Um, Eric, do you have a game show so that I can I play do. with myself? I was sitting here bored one night, and I decided to pull up my new favorite... AI online AI oh, no. Bard Bard Bard.google.com. Bard. So this is kind of like a ch- chat GPT kind of deal, but it's Google's version of that. It doesn't really matter. It's it's AI, and I decided to ask it some trivia questions. I basically typed in, "Would you write ten trivia questions that are retro gaming related?" Okay, all right. And it said, sure, here are 10 retro gaming trivia questions. Now, every time you ask it that, it gives you different answers. Okay. So you, it's like an endless fountain of, of, of questions that it will ask you. I like it. I like it. Okay. The one thing I found interesting, and the main reason why I never worry that AI is taking over, <laughs> is that a lot of these were wrong. Okay. And they were just they were just flat out wrong. And one interesting thing about AI, if you're using one of these chat GPTs or any of the, any of them is you can tell it you're wrong. Try again. And it will. And a lot of times it'll then get it right. But the first time you ask it, it will get it wrong. And I'm going to give you an example of what happened to me the other night. Cause I wrote the notes okay. down on here. I asked it or, or one of the questions it said is, Hey, what is the first cartridge based console? Oh, yeah, that would be, uh, I, I own one. It's sitting here behind me. It's got nice yep. bright yellow carts. And it's right. the Fairchild Channel F. That's right. They got it wrong. They said it was the Atari 2600. Oh, they were way wrong. And I told, and I, I, I'm right there with you. When it said that, I was like, hey, you got number one wrong. Because it listed 10 questions. I said, you got number one wrong. Can you try again? And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Let me look. Yep, it's the Fairchild. Blah, blah, oh, blah, that's pretty channel. good. Wow. So it, it you can tell it, and it will go and try to correct itself. But it was wrong. So here's my here's here's the game. And I'm not even know I don't even know if I want to keep store, score because it's just you and me. But w- what I do want to sure, do, be fun. Score is fun. The answer. The answer is. The question is, what did Bard.google.com say the answer was? Okay. So it's not whether the answer is right or wrong. It's what the AI said it was. All right. I like it. I like it. Let's do okay, it. Okay. So Let's do it. we're going to do this. So I'm going to just, I'm going to rapid fire some stuff for you. And I, I, I printed 20 of these, but I want to do 10. So I'm going to pick and choose from different things. Some of these are very nebulous, which I think is kind of funny. This might make it kind of funny here. Okay. All right. Let's do it. So here we go. What is the name of the first video game console to be commercially released? I think Bard said the first video game console to be officially released. Yep. They said it was the... 
Ooh, see, obviously the Atari is a big one. I don't think they're that. I'm, I think they're going to say it was the Magnavox Odyssey. You got it right. Yes. I don't have my, my hand. I don't have my cool sound effects. Yeah, I, I could get. I'll just say yes. All right, which is way wrong, but that's impressive. Okay, okay. Yep. What is the name of the video game character? Yeah, exactly. That's wrong, right? <laughs> I mean, it, it's not. I had a Telstar. Oh yeah, there's a lot like, of little tennis thing that came out years before the Odyssey did. So. Yeah. The, so again, this is what Bard thinks. Okay. Yep. What is the name of the video game character who originally appeared as a carpenter? Hint: It's not Jesus. <laughs> oh. Okay. I think they'll get this one right. Well, or 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 I'm wrong, but the the obvious answer would be Mario. Correct. Ding ding. Mario ding. Mario. Correct. I have to get his first name and his last name. Exactly. Mario Mario. Mario Mario. What is the name of the video game franchise that was created by Shigeru Miyamoto? Super Mario Brothers. Eh, the Legend of Zelda. Oh, that is the only one. All right. I'll keep That's that in mind. Says. I will keep yeah. that in mind. What is the name of the video game that was released in 1980 that is considered to be one of the most influential games of all time? 1980. I want to say that was a game released by Taito called... Oh, no. Maybe I'll go. I'm going to go Namco Pac-Man. You got it. Ding, All ding, right. ding. Perfect. You got it. What is the name of the handheld video game console that was released in 89 and is credited with popularizing portable gaming? That's got to be the Game Boy. Ding, ding, ding. All Correct. Right. All right. I'm going to dig a little deeper here. <laughs> this is so stupid. I'm I love it. No, do it. I want to hear it now. I want to hear it. What is the name of the video game franchise that features a blue hedgehog as its protagonist? Alex Kidd. No. <laughs> uh, Sonic the Hedgehog. You got it. Ding, ding, ding. Yes. What is the name of the video game that was released in 93 and is considered to be one of the greatest role-playing games of all time? The game released in 1993. It's a role-playing game. 93, I was 10. And it's considered to be one of the greatest role-playing games of all time. We, that, now, that's a weird question. Yeah, it is a weird question, right? And it, that, and it came up with that. And I'm I, gonna, I, I'm the gonna, way it's worded sometimes is very strange. I'm going to go with Final Fantasy 3 on the Super Nintendo. I think you might be right. It says six, but six. aren't those the same? Yes. Those are the same. Yes. Yep, that's right. So you got it right. Good job. You're doing really <laughs> well. Um, what year was the first video game console released to the public? See, this is not right. So the very first what, video what do you think? game console released to the public. What year? Oh, uh, what year? What year? Yeah, not I'm gonna, the game. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with 79. They're going to think the Atari. 72. So oh, okay. it must have been maybe the Magnavox. Maybe the, the, the Odyssey, original right? Magnavox Odyssey, I think, was 72. Yeah, that's what I think. What is the name of the first arcade game to become a worldwide phenomenon? The first worldwide, I'm going to go with become a phenomenon. I'm just going to throw out Taito's Space Invaders. Pong. That's okay. what they said. That's what Bard said. I would Pong. agree with that. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that one's correct. 
Um, this one is wrong. So okay. just to warn you, this one is wrong. What is the name of the first video game to feature a female protagonist? The very first female protagonist. They're going to say it was Metroid on the NES. <laughs> That's a good. That is a good guess. They say Ms. Pac-Man. Okay. Which is more correct because it's further back. Yeah, it but is. They're leaving off a ton of <laughs> games in the past, like on the Commodore 64, on the VIC-20. I mean, they're, they're, the TI, there's got to be games that have a female protagonist. Come on. Prove them wrong, Eric. I want to see your rebuttal. I know, I should. Um, we'll just do a couple more here. What year was the first handheld video game console released to the public? The first what year? So it doesn't handheld. list it. It just says what year. Okay. Well, I'm going to go with... It says console, though, not handheld video game. So I'm going to assume mm-hmm. they are actually thinking the... I'm blanking on the name of that one, but I know it, I, I can see it. And was that 78? I'm going to say 78. Very close, 79. 79. And I would figure it's the Microvision. Microvision, that's what I was thinking of. Yep, I couldn't think of the name. because I had one of those bad boys. All right, I'm going to do a little lightning round here. These are 2,600 questions. Okay. Uh, Here we go. What is the name of the first video game cartridge released for the 2,600? First cartridge. Mm -hmm. I'm going to say they are, they said combat. That is correct. Combat. What is the name of the Atari 2600 game that is considered to be the first true platformer? 2600 game, first platformer. Oh, man. Is that not Jumpman? What's, um, totally, is it Load Runner? That wasn't on the 2600. Oh, it wasn't? Oh, well, then, then I definitely got it wrong. This one's gonna kick this one's gonna kick you in the nuts. Okay. Pitfall. Okay. Because it is it is a platformer. I don't know if it's the first. Okay. And I don't even know if it's the first on the twenty six hundred, but Okay. Anyway. All right. What is the name of the Atari twenty six hundred game that was released in nineteen eighty and is credited with helping to popularize the arcade to home console conversion market? Defender. That's easy. Oh, uh, Space Invaders. No. Oh, then then I'm wrong twice. What is it? Pac-Man. Pac-Man. Really? <laughs> That's what I said. <laughs> really? What is the name of the 2600 game that features a two-player competitive mode where players can race against each other through a series of obstacle courses? This is weird. This is going to be weird because I can't think of it. 2600 game, two players know this. racing through. So I don't even obst- know if this is. I don't even know if this is accurate because I didn't know this. I thought this was a truly a single player game. Interesting, racing through but an obstacle Atari course. But Atari had that w- crazy game select button with, yeah. that did a bunch yeah. of different crazy games. So it doesn't surprise me, but uh, it, it it's weird. I can't even think of a game where you run through obstacles. So I'm just gonna say. I, I can't even think of one that we, what is it? No idea. Adventure. Adventure. What? Is there a, is there a two player game on there? Are there obstacles? It's a, it's a map. Yeah, that's weird. 
See, I don't know, man. And I don't remember two player at all. This AI is crap in the bed. One more. All right. One more. Um, Lightning round. Bonus round. What is the name of the 2600 game that was released in 83 and is considered to be one of the first successful licensed video games? It was licensed. One of the first. (laughs) One of. What was the game that was one of the first? I'm just reading what what it said. I'm I'm enjoying it. Um, Oh, I got one more after this because this is the stupidest question on the planet. Finish this one. (laughs) I'm going to go with Spider-Man. It's a good guess. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Okay. All right. Okay, dude, you got to get this one. I'm going to give you this one. You got to get this one. Oh, don't put me <laughs> so, on the spot. This is where this is the glitch in the AI. You ready? Yeah. What is the name of the Atari 2600 game that was released in '82 and was based on the popular ET the <laughs> Extraterrestrial movie? <laughs> Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go with ET, Bob. ET the Extraterrestrial. You got it. See, this is why I don't uh. worry if AI is going to take over. Man, I have no worries about it. <laughs> Elon Musk does. Yeah, well, um, he hasn't played this game. <laughs> he hasn't. <laughs> he needs to hop on the Pixel Guide and let us quiz him a little bit. Exactly. Great game show, my friend. Thank you so much. <laughs> um, what's this button? There we go. That's there what I think go. about Bar GPT or whatever it's called. Yep. Um, Eric, it's time for us. To catch up. Catching up with Eric and Cody and Tim, but not Tim, because there is no Tim. Not Tim this time. Yep. Um, let me go ahead and pull up our notes so I can keep keep uh, a track. You got your notes up there, Eric? I do. I do. All right. That way, no one will notice that we're reading notes. Um, I finished Bioshock Two. Oh, nice. I remember yep. you had mentioned that on our and last month. It was very, playing. very fun. Uh, it actually took me quite quite a while. Um, I didn't keep it, but I would say 25 to 30 hours altogether. And I would say it's just as good as the first game. Okay. Um, which I would say is a 94% out of 100 game. So, there you go. It was awesome. I played it on... Um, on the PlayStation 3, which at point at that point it was basically emulating a PlayStation 2. Uh, but brilliant, brilliant Bioshock game. Bioshock 2 came out on the PS2? I believe That's so. Not Did it not? No. I don't think so. I think Bioshock no, was I'm, on I'm, PS3. Get, I'm sorry. I played it you on played the it on PS4, PS4, which is basically yeah. emulating the PS3. Yes. There yes. you go. That, that, that's, that sounds right. And <laughs> it's excellent. And it's funny because, honestly, I... I can't tell the difference once I'm playing a game between a PlayStation 3 game and a like a brand new PS5 no. game. Like gameplay is the same. I, yep, 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 yep. And it was I, great. I, I played the first Bioshock. I rented it on for the Xbox 360 because I remember I used Gamefly and I rented it. Ooh, and, uh, Gamefly. Spent a good week or two playing that. I don't remember. I mean, I remember I really enjoyed it, but I, I don't. I never played Bioshock two. First ones. My favorite because it's when you play the first one, it's new to you. Yeah, uh, this one's definitely line. yeah, but yeah. but this was it was it was solid. Uh, it took me way too long to get back to playing this. So now I've played all three Bioshocks, and I'm probably hoping along with many others that a fourth one will show up sometime. 
in yeah. in in the existence of the world. Um, I also have continued to play more Mario Picross on my Super Famicom emulator on my Switch. It's part of the nice. service there. And again, you have to just uh, make sure you're on the Japanese eShop as well as the American eShop, and you'll get one extra game. Yeah. So I made sure I did that, and it's it's it is Japanese only, but the gameplay is doesn't need any English. And um, out of there's like ten uh, collections of puzzles. Each collection has like twenty puzzles. Um, and there's ten on the Mario side and ten on the Wario side. And I'm on number ten for Mario and number nine for Wario. So almost done with all You're of them. Done. But they're, I mean, just they're, it's just a bunch of Picross, and it's a whole lot of fun. So that's it. Yeah. But you also had some Famicom love, huh? I did. And first of all, I wanted to say, you know, I've never done that trick. I've never joined the Japanese like eShop. I mean, everyone tells me you got to do this. You got to well, set up an well. account over there. You got to, but I've never done it. And I've never had a real big reason to, but I guess I should. I should do that sometime. For somebody who likes to like finagle with things, I yes. can't believe it. I mean, it's a simple thing to do. Once you do it, it's going to open up a whole library of unlocked Right. You know, Famicom games and NES games for you. So you might as well do it just to go, oh, cool, look, they're there now. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. Cost nothing. So, yeah, for, for Famicom, if you want to hear my whole history of the Famicom, uh, Eric's take last two weeks ago that it was released, um, my Eric's take is all about my Famicom history. Uh, that is the Japanese version of the Nintendo Entertainment System. Fairly new history, first. right? Yep. And so... I did that, but I did get an acquisition for this month is I did get. I'm jealous about this. this. The EverDrive, the official Cricks EverDrive for the Famicom. And I explained this in my Eric's take is that I did try to get my, I have one of these for the Nintendo already, the Nintendo, the N8 for the uh, NES. Which is essentially the exact same thing. Let's be fair. Exactly. They're, they're essentially the exact same thing with a different cartridge shell. And so supposedly you can get an adapter that will adapt the Nintendo cartridge to the Famicom. Yep. I bought one of those adapters because they're cheap. It didn't work. Which, I, I which tried, way did you try to go? I tried to go from NES cart to Famicom. Okay. And there's an adapter and it sticks out really far or whatever, but it, it adapts it. I mean, it, it shows, it says NES to Famicom adapter. Um, I have it somewhere around here. But it didn't I work. I don't huh? have it. It didn't work. And I read online, people are like, yep, the only thing you do have to do is flash a different firmware because it, it does use a slightly different OS on the, the Crix card. Right. Oh, okay. And I did that. I tried all that. It never worked right. It never worked at all. Um, and I, I have one of those 501 game carts, the, the yeah. cheap ones you get on Etsy or whatever. Uh, I got one of those, and it got me through till this month when I was trying skeleton games. And there was a particular game called something like Maze of Gallius or something, and I wanted to try it, and it wasn't on the 501 list, and I was upset, and I was crying, literally mm-hmm. crying about it. On the floor, yeah. Yep, and... Uh, yeah, exactly. I was naked on the floor like Tori Amos. Um, was that Tori Amos? Oh, well. That was... Uh, but anyway. That was... Oh, no. She had the Lisa Loeb. Was it Lisa Loeb? <laughs> the thick glasses? Um, yeah. Yeah. So, 
I went and I actually went on eBay and I found this. Now, this is one of the older ones. There's a pro version of this, but I got the older one. I want the old version. The old, they're always fine for me. I mean, I never need all the additional fancy features or whatever. I don't need it to load three seconds faster or whatever. So I picked this up for a very good deal and I popped the files needed on the SD card. I copied it over and it works great. And so I was able to load the game I needed to and I, want I didn't the, pick it. I want the old <laughs> version because... Yeah, it's the right size of original Famicom rather than the double tall. Like the new ones are double tall. Are they really? Yeah, the ones I've seen. Okay. And again, I just want the old version. I want to, and I just love playing the actual Famicom with that. Like it feels like a smaller controller just because it's rounded and. Yep. There's something about the Famicom, and I want. It's ridiculous because it's the exact same thing as the NES. I can play all the same games, but I want the Famicom version. I cover all that in my Eric's take. Like, there's no real. It, this is all psychological. Yeah, like it, 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 it is. It's a smaller. It's a smaller console. It's top loaded, which I like. Um, it the controllers are the same but different. The the even the cables are way shorter, which you think would be crappy, but and they come out the wrong side of the controller. Yep, and uh, there's a lot to not like, but I love it. I love it, yep. and I've been playing it more than my NES, and I, I really love it. So, anyway, got my EverDrive. I'm pretty happy with it, so I'm I'm looking to explore. I really want to try to explore um, some, uh, like, Famicom-only games, like, exclusive to Famicom, yep. not on the NES. Well, so, now, now you got to go one further down the rabbit hole and get the, uh, like, I have the, the little SD adapter for the... Um, disc system because there's some that are disc system only games oh yeah, yeah yeah and that's one step further down the rabbit hole um and it's actually not that much it's like four i don't think 40 bucks or something for that little depth. But how what does that do how, does that connect to the famicom in some way well you actually have so the disc system itself yeah is a straight up and i'll say this again for some listeners you may or may not know it's a straight up it, it's like a little it's actually a three inch floppy disc that goes into this disc drive yeah and yep. plays games off a disc like a good old computer would. Um, mm-hmm. To make that work with your Nintendo, it has got a cable that goes around to the top, and it has this adapter that plugs into the cartridge slot. Oh! So you have to have that cartridge slot adapter, and then this little SD card thing will plug into there. So you plug that adapter into this SD card solution rather than the full disk drive. Gotcha. And I just pretend like I just put the disk drive under and pretend like it's plugged in correctly because it looks cool. But <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, those the and the, a lot of this is rehashing for a lot of people, but might be new for others. But yeah, the NES in theory is a 72 pin version of the same Famicom unit. Nothing else has changed except there's 12 dummy pins added because the original Famicom has 60 pins. Yeah. So there's 12 that are added that don't do anything. They're just there for region protection. Okay. So there's no reason physically that there should be any difference. Now, maybe with the EverDrive and the way it works, there is a little bit, but any real normal cart should work with that adapter. Yeah. But but it, mm. it just looks right with that correct size EverCart, Evercade cart, whatever. Um, I had my father-in-law come over. Okay. And... Trying to pull up a picture of this. I don't even know how to pull this up necessarily. It's uh, not George Clooney, right? It is not. But okay. he came over and randomly said, Hey, we were looking for a TV for our cabin and we wanted a bigger TV because one of the cabin is tiny. 
And so we just found a neighbor down the street getting rid of an old TV. In my mind, I'm like, is it a CRT? Because CRTs are cool. Yeah. And he's like, we're getting rid of an old TV. And he's like, and I got it because there's speakers on the side and there's all this room around it. Like, it's 27 inches, but it's way too big. I uh, don't know what to do with it. Do you want it? I'm like, yeah, I want it. And of course. And so... This is what I got, and it's my first... Oops, that's not it. That's your face. Uh, here it Me? is. It's a Panasonic PVDF2704. Oh, wow. Is that what that's it's a flat tube. And it's a flat CRT with a DVD and VHS built in. Oh, man. Yeah, it's that's really awesome. cool. And uh, it was made in 2004, apparently. Okay. Um, and it's a Panasonic, so I think it's going to be pretty decent. Uh, it's, you know, it's, of course, it's a 4 by 3 aspect screen. Thought it might be cool if it was a widescreen, but it was just before that time. Um, speakers built in, compatible for region one in all regions. I'm trying to see if there's anything. It doesn't do PAL or anything fancy like that. Okay. I don't know if the VCR works. I don't know if the DVD player works yet. I, I just have it sitting there. But I um, bet the DVD player works. The VHS, that's a question. So that look, dude, I, I, that looks awesome. That looks amazing. Now, flat CRT. is it is it super fat? It's like nor- depth wise. Yeah, I mean it's a normal CRT fat, and given that it's as big as it is, yeah, it's pretty fat. Okay, because that picture makes it look very svelte. No, it's it's fat. <laughs> it's a fat okay. CRT. Yeah. Okay. So I'm That's excited to plug it in and take a look at it, and yeah, you know, I could put this on a. Uh, Facebook Marketplace and call it a gaming retro gaming CRT and sell for two hundred bucks or three hundred bucks or something. I don't know, but I'd rather keep it for its flat screen beauty. Is there composite uh, inputs on the front? Yes. Oh, oh man, composite. Um, or yeah, composite. component or composite. Let's see. It, either one, really, as long as it's on the front. I believe it's composite on the front. Okay. Yeah, two composite plugs. Optical um, digital audio, which is newer. Yep. S-video, that's a score, man. Composite you're gonna video. You're going to keep it, you're yeah, gonna keep it right? Yeah. I, this, I, this, might, this might replace the one you let me have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I might use that for something else. Maybe I'll have two, two TVs set up somewhere. I don't know. The but flat tubes are awesome. My I don't have a flat tube. Yep. Right behind me. That flat one. Flat ones are amazing. They have great pictures. Cool. So that's, so that's going to be awesome. That's great. Oh, yeah. So I, I played some Vectrex games this month because remember I have for my Vectrex, I have a cartridge with the little dip switches with the little dip switches that pick all the games that were released with with uh, oh, yeah. for the Vectrex. So they're they're burnt onto this multi cart. You can't add homebrews. You can't add new games to it. Okay, and that's fine. I've been getting along with that for many many years. Um, but I decided recently that I wanted to get one that I could put homebrews on because I yes. wanted to start getting in and checking those games out. So started investigating that. Um, and there's a lot of there not a lot there's a couple of solutions out there that looked very interesting i think the one cart i saw the cart you have um which just has an sd card in it and mm-hmm. you know i mean it's not not rocket science here um but i was looking around and i decided to go a different way hmm, i don't even know what this is i'm excited um so 
I decided to go with the Backbit Pro. Backbit Pro. So what this is, and I, I have you heard of this, Cody? Because if not, I think I'm going to blow your mind. I've heard of the Backbit, and I want to say it works for like multiple systems or something, but I don't know. Yeah, show uh, remind well, you're me. You're right. So the Backbit cartridge comes like this, and then <clears throat> it includes little adapters. Okay. That go to just about. I mean, there, there's, I don't know, like 20, 25 different 8-bit systems that really? it supports. Really? That many? Okay. And when I went on her website, her name's Evie or Evie. Um, Vectrex was one of them. So here it is, like with the Vectrex thing. This, this couldn't have been easier. I got this with the Vectrex connector. I took the SD card. I formatted it. Put Vectrex games on there. No other files, no operating system files, no firmware files, nothing like that. Put them on the SD card. I fully expected it not to work and have to fiddle with like OS files or whatever. Pop this right in there. Boom. Brings up a menu and all the Vectrex games can be loaded right from this. Beautiful. Has a little reset button on the top. Um, Does that reset the whole system? It, well, the, for the Vectrex, you have to attach a wire to it. So Yeah, okay. Um, it's a little... But for a lot of systems, it will work, like this little reset button. Um, but it works. It, right off the bat, like the first time I booted it, I could load up any game I wanted right there. So this will load up anything. Um, I l- took an inventory of all my systems. I, first of all, I reached out to her and asked her about this told her we were going to mention it on the show. Um, the Commodore 64 adapter has a right angle, so it pops up above your oh, that's cool. case. So it sits up like this, and you can see the lights and everything on it. Um, I, I, I took an inventory of my systems and figured, well, which ones do I not have multi-carts for? You know, out of all my computers and consoles... I have ones for just about everything, but there are two that I really want. One is the Intellivision. Yes. I don't have a multi-cart and she has the perfect adapter and it's super cheap. I think it's only like 19 bucks for yes. the adapter. So I'm going to get that. I'm going to order that. In fact, this, this week I'm ordering that. I might have to piggyback on that. Yep. And then the second one is the, my Atari 7800. Yes. I don't have a multi-cart for that. And the one she sells is a little more expensive, but it includes the pokey chip on there. Really? Yep. So it will play all the pokey games that with cartridges that require the pokey chip. It's a little more expensive, but not much. I think it's only like 29 or 39 or something like that. So um, I think how, it's 29. How much is the back um, bit itself? The back bit itself is the, uh, that's the one where it's going to get you. Um, yeah. The back bit is, let me look it up, back bit pro. That is $129 for the cartridge. That's not terrible. Nope. So $129 for the cartridge and then all the adapter. And it comes with one adapter of your choice. So I picked the Vectrex. I'll take the Pokey Atari. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... Well, I wonder if that I'm going to put that in there right now. That's so probably not the price for the free one, but yeah. No, yeah, it says it'll do it. Really? Well, I should have done that. That's Dang what I'm it. getting. <laughs> exactly. 
But let, let me list some of the games. I mean, the machines here are Acetronic, Amstrad, CPC. Hey, you yes, got one of those, right? I do. Um, or the GX4000. Mm. Same thing. The Apple II. Yeah. The Apple II, 2, 2 Plus, 2E, 2GS, the 2600, 5200, 7800, Atari 800, ba- Bali Astrocade, oh, ColecoVision. Wow. Oh, the ColecoVision. There you that's go. a good one. That would be something too. Ah, that that's something yeah, to think about. Yeah, we're gonna have to put an order together. But anyway, I don't want to list all these because I mean it goes on and on. I mean, she we'll talk has offline. A ton of we'll these. talk offline. We'll talk offline exactly. But so far, I'm really impressed by this. And think about the times you've been looking around and trying to find your carts or whatever. This is one stop shop. You just got to worry about the adapters. Yeah, that's super cool. And it's plug and play. No weird files you got to tinker around with. It just plugs in and works. <sighs> spending my money, Eric. You're spending my money. Yep. So Backbit Pro. Speaking of spending money, tell me what's up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so, as I get older, I'm getting worse at these transitions. <laughs> um, this is a game I've been wanting to try, and I tried it. Um, okay. I thought I would absolutely love this game because it mixes a couple of my favorite things in the world. One being Shovel Knight and the other one being Falling Block block Puzzle Games. Okay. And I'm sure I've talked about this on the show, but I hadn't actually purchased it or played it yet. But it is Shovel Knight Pocket Dungeon. Do you remember me talking about this one? Shovel Knight Puzzle Dungeon. Oh, Pocket Dungeon. Okay. You wrote Puzzle Dungeon in the notes. Oh, well. Well, you know what? No, no, no. I take it back. Hold on, let me, let me, I might have messed everything up. I think it is called Shovel Knight Puzzle Dungeon. Puzzle Dungeon, okay, okay, okay. No, it's Pocket Dungeon. I don't know. It's Pocket Dungeon. Okay. There you go. Well, let's take a look at this is the game you played. This is the game I played. <laughs> okay. uh, there's some DLC, apparently I thought that might have had a different name. I don't know. But I uh, downloaded this on my Switch and um, played it. It's a game that looks a lot more complex than it really is. But um, it is a game, falling block puzzle game, gorgeous Shovel Knight aesthetic, very colorful, very exciting looking, uh, with all kinds of stats and data and pickups and things. And I'm still trying to get my my mind around it. I think it's a game that it's going to take a while to get into. Um, But you have stuff falling from the top. And if you make a move, everything falls. But if you don't make a move, then it will still fall, but slower, kind of like super hot right oh yeah um, super hot. super hot super hot um but yeah your your puzzle your 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 what's his name shovel knight or one of his uh friends from the other games eventually you can unlock other characters and there's all these creatures that fall kind of tetris style or more like dr mario style style from the top and um enemies will fall or uh, power-ups will fall, and you kind of attack them sideways or top-bottom. You're moving around the map, attacking things, and when you attack things, they'll lose energy, but they attack you at the same time, so you'll lose energy. So it's kind of like this game of when do I attack things? When I attack one creature, if it's connected to a bunch of other creatures, they'll all take the damage if they're the same type of creature. But if I get damaged enough, I need to make sure I go get health before I come back to try to finish them off. And it's kind of moving quickly... In a, it's a, it's a, a perfect mixture between like Shovel Knight, what he does in his other games, and a puzzle game. That's all I can say. Um, I'm still trying to get a grasp for it, 
because it was really easy to die up front. And the more I play, the further I'm able to get, which is great. But um, I feel like there's something I'm missing. Like he, maybe he powers up. Maybe it's kind of proced- not procedurally generated, but roguelite in that in that way where the more you play, the, the more powerful you get and the further you'll be able to get. Um, I'm kind of lukewarm on it. It looks amazing. There's no reason I shouldn't love it, but I'm kind of lukewarm on it right now. So, yeah, it looked amazing. I mean, it's very retro inspired graphics, very colorful. Um, the graphics look amazing on it. Yeah, and every time I see like I'm right now, I want to play it. I'm seeing this. I'm like, oh, I want to play it so bad. And then I play it, and then there's parts where I love, and parts where I'm just like, how are you? What are you supposed to do? So. Sometimes games like this, I get like that. Like, I'm like, I I don't know exactly what I'm supposed to do here. And sometimes it just, it's so frantic that I, I just kind of lose my focus because things, so many things are going on. Yep. And there is a lot going on in this game. So, yeah. And I thought it would ease you into it a little better than it does, but, um, I I think there's a great game in here. So that's all I have to say about it. It's not really a review. It's more of a first impressions, I guess. So. Maybe we'll have a follow a retro follow up in November and retro see like follow uh, up. and see if it gets any better because that I do like falling. That's the only kind of puzzle game I can get behind is the puzzle, the falling block style. Yeah, games. yeah. So, and that review is going to be super hot, super, super hot, hot. Uh, you, right. you you've um, got new gaming things to talk about. Yep, I want you to. Settle back with your beer, relax, mm, and I listen will. to my long story. It's it should be lustrous. Maybe I'll open a new beer. I don't know. Uh, what? <laughs> Are you done with your black beer? Not just yet. So, entertain me, my friend. Entertain me. I'm going to lean back. Okay. Here's the deal. A while ago, I wanted to build another gaming PC, nothing fancy, but another gaming PC, so that I could hook it. To this big monitor behind me. See this big LCD panel? I do. It's um, super hot. Super hot. Yep. I have this big... Uh, uh, Cody, I'm not joking. I don't think I've turned this monitor on in like over six months, maybe a year. Okay. I just don't play modern games. Now, I was playing my Amiga CD32 on it. So maybe maybe six months, eight months ago, I, I turned this on. I don't use it. So... What I was thinking was instead of buying a new Xbox or whatever, I was going to build a gaming PC on the budget, like on super budget. Super um, budget. Exactly. Um, and and, I, and that's all. I had this idea and then I was like, well, you know, I'm not really, I wasn't putting any energy towards doing it. Okay. So my buddy who works in a warehouse, he gave me a text, sent me a text and said, Hey, I got like these I sevens. They're like these HP I sevens. They're in smaller cases, but they're I sevens. They're from about six years, six years ago. Um, and I've been instructed to recycle all these. So do you want one? And I was like, I was like, dude, yeah, I want one. So I went in there, I harvested some parts out of them. Um, and I built up an I seven quad core. It's not, not like the latest i7. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's like I said, six years ago. Still better than the computer I'm using to record the show. <laughs> That's right. Exactly. It's an i7. And it, um, ha- I harvested enough to do 32 gigs of RAM. Um, and I bought an SSD hard drive. The SSD hard drive was like maybe 90. Well, no, it was a lot. It was, it was 55 bucks. 
Um, so one terabyte SSD hard drive. So I bought that and boom, I start building it. And then I realized that the graphics on it is really lame. It's like an Intel, it's like built into the motherboard, an Intel processor. Yeah. So I went on, I went on eBay and I grabbed this GeForce GTX 1050 Ti. And this thing was like maybe 50 bucks. Okay. Okay. So you're $95 in here. Yep. Um, now, here's the deal. I did have to go through a lot of heartache with this machine. Um, when I got it, the, the, the company had locked down the BIOS with a password, so I couldn't make any changes to the system. Oh, sheesh. So I had to, like, literally hack it to figure out, to install a new video card. Um, and then the first video card I bought, which wasn't this one, but a different one, wouldn't fit in the system because the case was too small. Oh, and the video card was like this giant video card. It wouldn't fit in the case. And I thought about cutting the case up and stuff, but I didn't. I sent it back. And then I bought this case, which is a low profile, and it still wouldn't fit because <laughs> there's a cage. There's a metal cage in there where the hard drives go. Cut it out. That was not. So I was going to, I literally got my Dremel out and I was going to cut it. I was going to cut it. I'm going to cut you. I'm going to cut you so bad. Uh, yep. Um, but then I realized I could just remove the whole cage. And so I removed the whole cage, which made the front not want to stay on anymore. <laughs> so I had to like get creative with, I had to get creative with like some screws and stuff, but it all turned out. So the 1050 Ti went in. Okay. Okay. Um, the BIOS, you're going to, this is going to blow your mind. I had the reason is the BIOS was locked with a password. And when I looked it up, you had to contact HP to release the, well, I wasn't going to do that. So the reason was, is the internal video was conflicting with the video card. So I went in and I cut the traces on the motherboard, really? to the internal video card, booted it up and it worked. Wow. So it then, it then saw my, um, <laughs> My internal, my my PCIe. Were you not thinking uh, this whole time? Part. Like, if this doesn't work, then this whole project is gone. Yeah. So I, I mean, I spent probably ten hours on this, oh, and, and like, oh, it was a nightmare. But it's all done, and now it sits under here like a console, like an Xbox, and hooks to my big TV, and I can just sit there with a controller and play. Um, I, I put Baldur's Gate three on it, and it runs okay. Um. It's not going to run like Starfield or any of the new new of games. Of course, yeah. But it will. It has my Steam library, and it's running Windows 10 because Windows 11 won't run on it. Uh, I guess it doesn't like the quad core i7s or something. I don't know. Um, so it's running Windows 10. It's just gonna be a nice little gaming console that I'll probably get two or three years of of use out of. But boom! And I spent what uh, you did the quick math, maybe hundred and. After tax, maybe. Yeah. Fun. So anyway, gaming PC on the cheap. I7, 32 gigs of RAM, and video card. With the hardware hack. With the big hardware hack. Cut, so anyway, cut that's away my some traces. New PC. I probably, I, you know, one thing I thought about getting into, which I hadn't, had never really done before, is I might throw some um, PC emulators on there. Or, I mean, emulators that run on PC for other systems. Like who knows, like dreamcast emulator or something. I might throw that on there. I've never messed with them before. All right. 
Cool. Might check them out. Um, well, this next one is not nearly as cool, but I'm still going to bring it up. <laughs> so if you remember a while back, I got really into a game, a modern, uh, they call them boomer shooter, right? Called yeah, Dusk, yeah, yeah. Called Dusk. It was very much like a quake type of game, but you're like this backwoods guy with a shotgun shooting these bad guys, and it's, it's, it's a super cool game. Never did get yes. around to finishing yet, now that I think about it, but... Um, there's a highly rated game that was a, a major, major kind of demake based off of Dusk, and they called it Dusk 82. And I guess the idea was, what would Dusk look like if you're playing it on a computer in 1982? And uh, I was really excited about it because I saw it, it totally had the vibe of Dusk. It had this creepy feel, and it totally looks like a roguelite, like on a. Here you go. It looks like a, a an an eight bit computer. Like a I don't know if this should be more of a. I mean, Commodore, yes, but even earlier than that, maybe like a Tandy computer or uh, even a, yeah. a Texas Instruments TI-99-4A or something. Super basic looking, but in a cool way. Um, and so I played it a little bit, and I was excited about it. So it's one of those things where you, when you move, your, the enemies move. So very rogue, yeah. very much like a rogue. But unfortunately, as I played it more, I realized, you know what? It's not a rogue game. It is a, it's a puzzle game. Okay. It's not really set up to be... Um, you know, a role-playing game at all, it really is. There's one solution to the puzzle, and you have to figure it out. Okay. And so I, I was really enjoying it for three or four levels, and then when, once it got down to the point where you're like, okay, now you know the game, now we're going to put you through some puzzles, I'm like, oh, gosh, darn it, I don't enjoy this. No, so, I'm not a puzzle guy. <laughs> I was excited about the concept, love it in theory. It's getting really nice reviews, 90, 90 to, to 98% reviews on things. But yeah. That uh, must for people who for, who love puzzles because I'm not one. Anyway, so it's only a few bucks on the Switch, but the fact that something like this exists on a, on a modern console is cool. It is very cool. Yep. Um, you already covered this one. Where you, you put it on here yet again? I did put I put it on the catch up because I just wanted to highlight that I did play it. Um, the learning curve on it is. I'm sorry, I guess I should say what it is. SNK versus Capcom on the Commodore 64. I downloaded it. We covered this last month. Um, it's a fun one. Um, I sucked at it at first. It does. There's a steep learning curve to it. So, I mean, you do really need to spend some time with it. Learn the moves. There's a PDF that comes with it that shows you what the moves are. You need to read that. Um, if you're going to go in there and just button mash, you're going to get killed. So... Just warning people, SNK versus Capcom is excellent. Very, very good game. Download it, but you, you really should read the manual and try to learn how to play it. Um, the second one, Cody, is one. Have you heard of Crypt of the Necro Dancer? I have played some of it, yes. Okay, good, good. Um, this was a failed game in my six good skeleton games. And it is a good game. <laughs> That's interesting a, that it failed. Yeah, it okay, is, it's a good game. This was in my list of skeleton games, and I wanted to add this to my list. But it, I, Cody, I'm not kidding. I've played 15 skeleton games. Wow, I you really went through them all. I have them here in my notes because I wanted to pick something I hadn't played before. Um, Rastan Saga 2, Medieval, The Bard's Tale, Miracle Warriors, The Maze of Gallius, Nightmare 2. I played all these games Ooh, trying Nightmare to find a skeleton. Great. Which one? Well, Maze of Gallius is an MSX game originally, but yep. And then I played Ni- on Nightmare MSX. 2 as well. Yeah. It's a great Nightmare game. Nightmare 2, yep. Um, 
and then Rostan Saga 2, uh, Medieval. But anyway, this was one of the games that I picked and I liked, but I didn't make the cut, mainly because of time constraints. I didn't have a lot of time to play this, but I think I'm going to go back to it. It, I played this on the PS Vita, although it is available on other machines. Um, it's uh, like PC is definitely one of them. There's a couple other things you can play this on. Um, it, it is a rhythm game. Um, it, it totally is a rhythm game where there's a song playing and there's a particular guy that uh, wrote the soundtrack to that. And I'm afraid I don't have it here in my notes. Um, but there is a soundtrack that plays and you must hit the buttons on the directional buttons to the beat to move. And as long as you're on the beat, you won't miss a step. But the minute that you miss a step, the other guys, the the enemies can concentrate in on you and actually get a hit on you and remove one of the hearts, which is one of your lives. But you go through the game and you avoid traps, you find weapons, you find power-ups, and you have to defeat the enemies that are in all the levels. It's kind of like a roguelite. Rhythm rhythm roguelite. Is a rhythm roguelike, but playing on the PS Vita, I just had a blast playing it. It's not the easiest game in the world, um, but it's not that hard either once you start getting used to the rhythms and you have to watch the enemies and see how they move. Because they move to the rhythm too, so you can time your steps correctly to actually hit them. Um, but the music is excellent and varied, uh, so there's a lot of different songs that play on different levels in this game. Um, it's definitely worth looking into. I played on PS Vita um, and had a blast with it. So that's it. Crypt of the Necro Dancer on PS Vita. Yeah, and this is a game that I tried and I just couldn't get into the rhythm with. Ooh. Mm. Pun intended. Oh. Um, yeah. yeah, I don't know what it was. I, I, I've heard great things. It's got excellent reviews and they made a rever- uh, the, a brand new version of this game based around the adventures, or what is it called, Legend of Zelda on mm-hmm. the Switch. I'm trying yeah. to remember the name of that one right now, but um, if I type Crypt of the Next Day, I'll just put um, Zelda. Let's see what it's called. Cadence of Hyrule is what they called that one. Oh, wow. I didn't even know this was out. I yeah. Mean, I didn't even know anything about this. Yep. Yep. So it's the same same game developer, which is really cool because it's an indie game developer. And then Nintendo's like, here, do a version of it for us with Zelda. Oh, wow. So and they don't do that very often. No, it's pretty cool. So the concept is awesome, but I just can't get into the gameplay for some reason. But it looks amazing. I could see how a lot of people would love this. So Yeah. Um. My daughter and my daughters and my wife and I, my family, I yeah. guess, was what you would call that group of people. Uh, <laughs> Correct. Watch the uh, Mario Brothers movie, finally. So it is on Peacock, which you have to pay for, which frustrates me. Okay. But then again, I didn't mind paying for it because it's a movie that just came out, more or less. And my review is not as high as Tim's was, but it was definitely a fun... It's what you want from a Mario movie. Okay. I don't think I need to watch it again. I enjoyed it. It had, uh, like like Tim said, it had definitely a lot of references. The music through the whole thing was definitely all from the video game, but kind of done with a modern orchestra or really well okay. well mixed. Uh, 
the humor was there that the adults would get and the kids would get at the same time. Lots of nostalgic references and things like that. Uh, but ultimately, the story was very much just kind of a how do we get from one nostalgic joke to the next kind of a thing. So, yeah. my review is 80% out of 100. I enjoyed it. Worth, definitely worth watching once, especially if you're a retro video game fan. Um, I'm going to watch it. But there you go. You should. You should. I yeah, just don't, I just don't think I'll... you'll ever watch it more than once. No, I won't. But I, I, if I have a complaint at all about modern reviewers of games, is that what do what do they expect? What are they looking for? Like this, this isn't some great. This isn't trying to be some great piece of art masterpiece. It's it's a Mario movie. Yeah, I mean, I I think people are too hard on on things. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I, I don't it, know. It's it's solid. It's fun. It's worth yeah. watching once, and you'll enjoy mm-hmm. it once, and maybe I'll enjoy it in eight years again when I forget all about it and watch it again. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. I'm going to watch it. I'm yeah, watch it should. Especially on Peacock cool. right now, because it's five ninety nine, I think, for a month of Peacock. So, there you go. That's worth renting the movie right there. And then you get 29 more days to watch other Peacock stuff, I guess. I don't know. Cool. Um, you've got the last two uh, catching up items here, Eric. I'm, I'm out. I'm yeah. clean out. Uh, I'm a little nervous about this next one. I'm nervous about the title. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a throwback to something my dad used to say a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not going to say the way he said it. So this is my new segment called Teats Up. All right. Um, but my dad used to say whenever something died, he would say it is Teats Up, but not say Teats, if you know what I mean. Um so, I think we should make a bumper that, for that. Teats up, 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 up. Exactly, With exactly. Um, and it, for people that don't get that reference, uh, you know, it's if you're laying on your back dead, then your teats are up. <laughs> yes. I <laughs> so got anyway, it, Eric. I got the reference. I know you got it. I just want to make sure everyone else, because not everyone in my family got it. Um, really? All right. Yeah. So anyway, this month, of course, being October and the month of scary things, I've had two things die on me that are near and dear to me. Oh, no. Um, when I was playing, when I was researching games for our six good skeleton games, I wanted to try a Neo Geo game. And so I, I booted up my MVS console, my consoleized MVS system, which was just playing great. Like a few months ago. And it gave me a calendar error. Like I booted up and it said calendar error. And I was like, Oh, that's weird. So I shut it off. And I turned it back on, and it never came on again. What? So, yep. So it doesn't work. So I wasn't able to play any Neo Geo games. Ugh. I had to go to my Mister, which my Mister's fine, but I my original one. So I gotta like take it apart now, and then try to troubleshoot it. So I gotta unconsoleize it and pull the motherboard out and try to figure out what's wrong with it. Man. I don't, I've never done troubleshooting on Neo Geo boards, but I mean, there's there's harder things to troubleshoot. So I'm I'm keeping a positive attitude that maybe in November I'll have a keep it out of the box. Down. Keep keep it's it out of the box. It's a teats down segment. I think you want no. teats horizontal. Is when you're walking yeah, around maybe. and maybe <laughs> teats forward. I think there, oh, I like that. I like that. There you go. Teats forward. So got a positive um, outlook towards the future. Um, so anyway, I got to troubleshoot my Neo Geo. Um, and then the second thing that broke is I was testing skeleton games again on the NES. Mm, bad and mojo. My, con- 
my controller broke. My, my I have two, but my main one broke. The second one never really worked great to begin with. Like the D-pad doesn't work well. But my the original controller like just started freaking out. Wouldn't wouldn't take inputs or whatever. So this one, what I did was I went online and I was looking at like maybe modern replacements because I didn't want to buy another used NES controller. Um, and I found this one. Eric's going off script. Grabbing Here we go. an object. Yep. I pulled a Tim. I'm going to go climb yeah, down. What? Someone needs climb to. Down. But anyway, but- this one, some cool thing. This is a Hyperkin Cadet. Okay. That, have the, that Hyper- one's got the little like corner cut out of the... Yeah. It does have the little corners cut out, make it a little more ergonomic, but it also has these oh, humps. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's bumps these on the humps. back. These lovely lady humps. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In the back here, see these? Very black-eyed peas of you, yes. Um, so it is in the same shape as a regular NES. It has a D-pad, select, start, and two buttons, and they feel good, and they work good. But it is like... Two of the corners are tapered down a little bit, and on the back, there's like these little ergonomic humps on the back, mm-hmm. so you can kind of get a better grip on them. Um, it comes with a ten foot cord. That's so, a lot I mean, of cord. That's a lot of cord, which to me isn't really a almost a bonus. It's almost a hindrance almost when it gets too this much. long. Yeah, yeah, I gotcha. it's like almost a little too much. Um, but I'll take it, and I I used this. And it works wonderfully. And it's an original NES. It's not USB. It's nothing like that. This is original NES. A little so, seven pin. Yep. NES works perfectly. Adapter thing. It, yeah. It was super cheap. Shipped. Uh, I bought on Amazon, shipped next day. Um, and I, I even used it on my Mr. using the snack adapter, and it yeah. works great. So there we go. Now I kind of want one just to, just to play with it. What are those? Yeah, like, the Hyperkin. 10 bucks, something like that. Is what it's called. 15 bucks, maybe. Yeah, something like that. Yep. There we go. Interesting. So that that is that ends my teats up segment. But it starts oh. you messing around. That's right. So my messed around with the Sega Saturn Core. The Sega Saturn Core is finally out on Mister. Um, it's been a long time in the works, and there's been like a uh, unstable version of it for. God, I don't know, almost a year now. Um, it now f- has finally been officially released. So there's still going to be unstable versions of this core out on the Mr. FPGA um, that will test newer functions and other fixes and stuff like that. But if you are one of those kind of people that uses the update all script, which updates all your Mr. and all your cores, you will see a little surprise if you run the update and there will be a Sega Saturn core. Um, I didn't know about this till about three hours before we started recording. So I haven't had time to mess with it a lot. But what I did do is I downloaded, I, I got, um, you have to have uh, Sega Saturn BIOS files, which you can find online. I put them in a folder. One of the very cool things is that when you start this core up, you can pick what kind of Saturn you want to run. So if you want to, run like a, a Japanese Saturn, um, one of the, the, the high V Saturns, one of the, um, the U S version, you can just pick the BIOS you want to run, launch it and then launch your game. And it should work. Um, I was only able to test a couple of games, Daytona, 
Mr. Bones, I did load that up real quick, make sure it ra- made sure that it ran. Um, and then I loaded a Japanese game. Um, what was it? Um, God, I, it's not even coming to mind now. Um, but anyway, the did Sega Saturn Accord. Do you find an advantage to switching the BIOS? Did that do anything for you? Well, yeah, you would switch the BIOS just so it's region, just for the region. Japan. Just changing US. languages or primarily? Yeah, I mean, it just changes like being able to play it in that region. If you don't, if you like load the the Japanese BIOS and you try to load a US game, it it will say game not supported on this console. Really? You'll get a little flash thing that pops up. Yep. In fact, I ran in that because I didn't switch the BIOS. Interesting. I guess I've never had that issue because the, the way I play all my games is with an action replay in the back that's been... Yeah, I think that disables yep. the region lock on it, right? That makes sense. That's um, interesting. Okay. But um, so you can pick... There's like 10 different BIOSes, like all the different versions of the Saturn. There were firmware updates, all this stuff. But it gives you a lot of... And it, it now supports... Um, the save the memory cards, like you can format a memory card and save it. Um, so it is a fully functional core now and works really well. So it's another like tool, you know, like thing in my tool belt. Like if I'm interested in trying to play a quick and dirty Sega Saturn game, see if I want to play it instead of trying to do whatever I can just load it up on my mister now and give it a shot. So very cool. It's cool to have options, but anyway, that's it. Cool. I am thoroughly caught up with you, Eric. Yes. And we have one more segment to do, but I'm not going to be able to do it without one more beer. That's right. And I'm eager to try another one. Let me swallow. I I still have a little bit of the black beer, the the China black beer. I I quite enjoyed it. It was interesting. It it went down smooth. For this last beer, Eric, um, you provided this one, I believe. No, you did. Did I? Oh, I did. You're right. You you did. Yep. This one was is bizarre, and I'm trying to remember why I picked it. But I think the main reason was I don't know if I've ever in my life, and correct me if you can think of a popular one that I'm just completely missing. Okay. Had a Spanish beer before. Oh yeah. Made in Spain. Uh, this is called Cervezas 1906 Reserva yeah. Especial La Mil Nueve. So there you go. Beer 1906, Special Reserve, and I don't know what La Mil Nueve means. Nueve is nine. nine. Nueve? Yeah. Um, and then on the back it says it's a Hellas Bach, which a Hellas is a lager and a Bach is a Bach. So I don't know if that's like a mixture between a, a lager and a Bach. I don't know what this is. So no idea. Kind of a, a standard looking... Um, We'd call that color goldenrod, that that yeah. kind of uh, tan gold paper with some red writing, and that's about it. It's kind of unexceptional as far as the way it looks, so I'm hoping they're letting the beer talk for itself. Yeah, well, it, it says, Our family heritage condensed into one extraordinary beer, a unique combination of toasted malts, aromatic hops, and a long aging period to create a distinct flavor and aroma. Wow, you have I'm some good Spanish there, Eric. Thank you. <laughs> I'm assuming it's not written in English somewhere. My uh, my wife was doing a recipe that involved like pouring a beer into uh, like a. It specifically said, "Hey, get a Mexican beer." I think it was pouring into like pork tacos or something. Mm-hmm. And my wife went out and grabbed this one, and I was like, "No, no, 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 no!" no. That's Spanish. I was like, 
literally yeah, exactly. 180 degrees around the world. No, so we we went and, we went and got some different beer for that, but um, but I'm eager to try this. Yeah, that's interesting. So I'm smelling it, I'm not drinking it yet. It smells European. Oh, it does. Let's go ahead and cheers, but I want to. We'll talk about that here. So, my friend, to October. I'm gonna drink out of the bottle like an animal. I like it. It smells like a Heineken. It's got that European skunky smell. It does. This would not have been your Mexican lager that she was looking for by any means. Hmm. You can taste the toasted malts. Interesting. Yeah, it doesn't taste... I don't taste the skunk that I smell necessarily. No. Thank God. I wonder what's and now I kind of want you to pour it out. Is it brown or is it? Yeah, I'll pour a little clear out. yellow. I got, a, I got a mug right here. I'm trying to taste it. I think it's going to be fairly light looking, but darker than a like Heineken. No, it looks like about the color of a Dos Equis. Yeah, it's like a yeah okay. It's like a dark yeah. Dos Equis. What do you call it? Do, uh, Dos Equis. Amber. Amber. Okay. Smells like a Heineken, tastes like a Dos Equis Amber. Yeah, I'd probably say it tastes a little, um, yeah. Um, this is going to sound gross, but I mean this in a good way. Tastes like blood. <laughs> Has like a, some iron content. It's got that iron, you know what I'm talking about? Yep, I do. I do. I do know what you're talking about. It's also very Halloween-y since you want to be a, a blood-sucking yeah. vampire. So there you go. I do. I do. I want those Twilight chicks. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> All you got to do is glitter. <laughs> glitter glitter, glitter hard, Eric. <clears throat> All right. Well, there you go. What else do you have to add to that? No, I, I do like it. it. I can taste the toasted malts. It does have an interesting flavor to it, though. It smells like honey can taste like blood. That's my review. <laughs> how many how many tombstones is that out of 13 you know for me let me get one more sip it's very drinkable it's a very drinkable beer this is like an everyday beer almost i quite like it yeah it almost you no know, it almost go well with salt if that makes sense like no, not, and some people some people put salt on their on their beers, yeah. But yeah, not in like a refri- I don't know, like savory. Do you think salt and what about savory? Lime? Would you pop a lime in there? No. Hmm. But there's not much I would put a lime in except for beer that's so gross I just want to taste something else. Oh, really? I like putting lime in beer. I'm fine with that. I mean, if people want to do it, that's fine. I also put pineapple and ham on my pizza and i love it so i'm not i'm not going to judge but yeah i mean especially mexican beers like corona dos Equis, i like to put limes in them no it'd be good this is random but some blood orange in this <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I'm ready I, think to rate it. I think this is my i don't know i think i think it's going to be right up right there with the last one i'm going to give it nine out of thirteen I think so too. I honestly was thinking nine, and that would be your nine. favorite of the four. Then this this month, yep, I think so. All right, there we go. Drop the bomb. 
I like the cut of your jib. <laughs> I do. I like the cut of the jib. It was like, thank you, Tim. <laughs> All right, that means we got one more segment. Let's talk about six good skeleton games. All right, I'm going to start this time, and there's a reason. Please. We had we were each going to pick two games, because mm-hmm. Tim was going to pick two games and join us for this one, but he can't. That's right. However, he already put a game in here, which in theory we were going to share, I thought. Okay. <laughs> I stole in, it. In stare. <laughs> Instead, you stole the game, and I, I had did. to come up with an up. extra game at the last minute. I'm like, oh, shoot. I straight up stole you straight it. Straight up yeah, stole it. So I, we're both going to talk about that game. Tim's got one. We're both going to talk about. You got two, and I've got three. That's the way I look at it. Okay. <laughs> I, I I asked him beforehand. I was like, "Hey, what game did you like the most?" And I will cover it as my third one in tribute to you. And he said, "I like it. I like the it. one he said. No, so. it's, it's just fine." So cool. Let's go ahead and and uh, we'll go in order here if that's how you want to do it. Whatever way you want to go. So let's talk about this game right here. Oh, okay, so I'm going first. You are going first, yeah. Okay. I did get into my PS Vita this month because I wanted to boot it up. I wanted to play it, uh, try out some games on there. So I looked up skeleton games for the PS Vita, and I came across this game, which goes by two different names. One is Cursed Castilla, and the other one is Maldita Castilla. And sometimes it has the EX name after it, which I guess is like a extended version, extended version of some kind. I, I really didn't dive in. I think it has extra. Um, I think it, instead of six levels, it has eight levels. Yep, there it is. Eight levels, 48 enemy types, 19 final bosses. Uh, but anyway, I should go into what this game is. So this game is um, a 16 bit arcade action video game developed by Loco Melito. Um, it, it came out in 2012, December 2012. So it's quite a while ago. Um, if you look at this game, it looks kind of like an NES style game. Um, it is a kind of cross between Shinobi and Ghost and Goblins, I guess is like the best way to look at this. Okay. Um, it is ultimately kind of like a Ghost and Goblin style platformer. You have a guy, he runs around, he shoots things, um, and he can jump. So one button jumps, one button sh- fires his weapon. You can find different weapons as you go around. When you hit an enemy, they can turn into coins. You grab those coins, which can be used in a shop later to upgrade your weapons, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Um that all sounds kind of basic, but this is very retro inspired. It has really great pixel style graphics. Um, some some of the enemies come at you in formations, which makes it almost like an like a shoot 'em up a little bit. Um, it, 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 you find treasure chests which upgrade your weapons. There's these little picture pictograms on the top that show which weapon. Um, you're using at the time um the have you played this game cody so this is a game i'm aware of and i remember when i first started getting into the hobby which apparently was about <laughs> 11 years ago 
not first yep. getting into it, but really starting to get into the new, that people are making new stuff. I remember seeing this come out for the Vita, and I, I saw a physical version that was like limited run, like when they were first starting to do that, and I really wanted it. Um, to me, the game is very much G- Ghost and Goblins. I'm not getting the Shinobi vibes. It's just, it's like a new Ghost and Goblins, but instead of focusing on graveyards, it's focusing on more like fantasy creatures, like dragons and things like that. But it it's straight up uh, Ghost and Goblins or go- Ghost and Ghoul, what is it, Ghouls and Ghosts? Yeah. Um, but I'm just watching the gameplay here, and uh, yeah, I, I just realized I never got around to actually trying this, and I really want to try it, because to me, it, and you've played it, so mm-hmm. Ghosts and Goblins, Ghouls and Ghosts is a game that's just relentless. You're constantly dealing with stuff. This seems yep. like it's give you, it gives you a little more breathing room, so it's almost like a more, to me, more enjoyable version of those games, maybe. I think you would enjoy this game probably even more than I did, and I, I enjoyed my, my time with this. I got through the first level, and then I when I got to the second level, and the first level I got through, and I was like, okay, one thing I really like about this game is, and here's the first boss. We're, we're watching a little video a Beheaded here. Knight. And I was able to beat the first boss, no problem. When I got, and, and Ghouls and Ghosts is a very notoriously, infamously difficult game. Um. When I played this one, I was like, hey, this isn't as difficult. So I'm I'm digging this. I got to level two and it got a lot harder. Okay. I was <laughs> gonna say, because I'm watching level one still. That makes sense. Okay. Yeah, so level one, okay, that's that's different. But yeah, level two gets significantly more difficult, but still not, you know, ghouls and ghosts or ghosts and goblins difficult because that's ridiculous. Um you can shoot in multiple directions, up, down, left, right. Uh, but the game is a lot like Ghouls and Ghosts. So um, I really enjoyed this game. Uh, one thing, this game came out on Windows, Linux, the Ouya, Xbox One, PlayStation 4, Nintendo 3DS, the Nintendo Switch, and, of course, the PS Vita. So this Options. game is every, every, everywhere you want it to be. Yeah, and what's cool about this game is it came out on the Vita, which at the time, the beginning of the Vita's lifetime, it was like breaking edge technology stuff. But then by the end, it was kind of like indie developers releasing Vita games. And that's kind of where this landed, I think. Yeah. I mean, it, it yep. doesn't look like a Vita game. It looks like an old arcade game. And it's kind of where they were tra- people are starting to embrace that nostalgia and that, that old pixel graphics thing. This is kind of like the leading edge of that, if you will. Yep. So... And it does have skeletons in it. So there you go. Um, so that's Maldita Castilla or Cursed Castilla um, if you're in the PAL regions. Uh, look it up. It's probably anywhere you're going to look. So cool. There you go. I'm going to try that one. All right. I went for a new game based on kind of an old style of gameplay as well, Eric. All right. And I don't know if you've heard of this one, and I'll be upfront with you. I didn't play it because it I believe it was only released on cartridge and a very yeah. limited run. And it's one of the reasons I really want to find a way to convince the Atari community to sell digital versions of their games or release more of them. I don't know. This game is called Skeleton Plus. I mean, 
what, how much more skeleton can you get? What's cool, <laughs> what's cool about it is you can actually buy this game today um, still uh, on the Pack Rat website. In fact, let me yeah, pull that up. I've heard that. Yeah, I've, I've bought some uh, uh, Vectrix games on Pack Rat Games. And, yeah. um, oops, that's not it. Hold on. That's not it. Where's Pack Rat? Pack Rat Games. Well, in theory, it would pop up here. There we go. Pack Rat Video Games. Here we go. Uh, homebrew games for the Atari and other systems, including the Vectrix. So let's just take a look here real quick while I'm live to tape here. If I go to the Atari 2600 games and click on Skeleton Plus... You can go and check out what they've got there. I think you actually have to go. Yeah, you have to go. It's distributed through Good Deal Games. Um, but it's really cool. It comes with a cartridge, with a with a label, with a box, and with a manual. And all of that at the low, low price of... Scrolling down to the S's on <laughs> scroll, this website. Scroll, 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 scroll. They have a lot of games for sale. That's pretty... That's cool. Um... And it'd be fun to get some of these games for, for sure. Twenty nine seventy nine. So that's very reasonable. That's very that reasonable. Very reasonable. Yeah. Uh, written by Eric Ball. It's a three D maze type game. Uh, in order to escape this labyrinth, you need to hunt down and eliminate eighty skeletons lurking about without being killed yourself. There are eight total mazes. Each maze containing ten skeletons. Complete all eight mazes, and you'll mazes, and you'll gain your freedom. Uh, it offers life and kill counters, new undead locator to help track skeletons, five versus ten skeletons per level, selectable, various difficulty. And uh, so there's a cool, a few cool things I want to mention about it. So, first of all, the gameplay. It is a maze game, and it is done as only these... I mean, Atari is an 8-bit system technically, but we'll call it 2-bit because it's... I mean, <laughs> I'm going to call it 2-bit. Yeah. It means nothing, but you know what I mean when I say it's 2-bit. It's the Atari. I do. Yes. Um, so it's it's a very rudimentary dungeon crawler type of thing, mm-hmm. but and I and you can't hear it because I don't have the sound on Eric. But it is just you walking through a maze, going forward or backwards, left or right to turn around corners. But there is, you know how in the movie Jaws, there's only two notes on the soundtrack. It's that's da-dum, right. Da-dum. That's it, yep. and it's creepy as heck because it's two notes. This uses those same two two notes. But it uses them to help you decide how close you are to the skeleton that you're trying to hunt without being hunted by it yourself. So you're walking around this maze and you can hear... And it's freaky. It's creepy. Just watching the gameplay is creepy. Now, what you can do to make it even more creepy as well as more useful, and this is what's key about this game, you can modify your Atari 2600 for stereo output. If you've done this, there's modern games that can take advantage of this. If it's not... Wow. If it, the old games just put the same output to both speakers, it's fine. It's still mono, more or less. Yeah. The new games will actually make it so that you hear these footprints to your left or to your right or to straight ahead. And so you're walking around this maze going, just, cr- just freaking out that where is the skeleton? Is it going to pop up on me before I pop up on it? Because if it catches me before I catch it, I'm dead. So I need to catch it sideways or from the behind. And I have to catch 10 of them per level times 8 levels. I think it's a super cool concept. Um, 
new games made in physical cartridge with modifications to your Atari 2600. What's not to love? The only enemy in this game is the skeleton, and there he is. You just saw him, Eric. Yeah, I did see him. Striking fear into your heart. Let me see if I can show you the skeleton from the side here. To kind of forward through this YouTube video. There he is from the side. Oh, there he is. Yeah. Yep. In that case, the, the, the player caught him before he got caught himself. So he went around this corner and, oh, this almost got him up. Oh, there he is and shot him. <laughs> That's pretty cool. So skeleton plus yeah. for the Atari yeah, 2600. It reminds me when, when I was a Ute, a Ute way back in the day, um, I would type in VIC-20 games on my, you know, on my VIC-20. And one of them was a very rudimentary maze game. Okay. And uh, I typed it in in basic and I kind of learned, I was amazed how they could build like a 3D world in a maze and track your location walking through the maze and, and tell like, okay, well, if I'm going down this part of the maze, you're going to throw up this graphic for the end of a hallway and these to be the sides and make it appear to be a three-dimensional game when it's really just you going through and it throwing up these graphic tiles in front of you and on the side. Yeah. And that's when I learned that all these like programming tricks to make 3d mazes and stuff. And I was, I was like, you know, just a kid and I was just amazed, but that looks exactly like one of those Vic 20 3d maze games. And I'm sure it was super basic programming that kind of faked all of that, that made that work. But it looks like something that Atari 2600 shouldn't be able to pull off. Right. Right. Exactly. Yep. You got the next game, sir. Yep. So this is the second game in the series on the Neo Geo. Um, Were they both on the Neo Geo? I'm sorry? Was the first one also on the Neo Geo? The first one was on the Neo Geo, but both of these were on the Neo Geo CD. Okay. Interesting. Um, All right. But a clever hacker slash programmer made MVS or AES versions of these. So well, I need to get if them you online. have a flash card, you can play them on your MVS or AES, but the original think, versions of both of these. Yeah. Both of these are, were originally made for the Neo Geo CD. Um, and the game I'm talking about is the crossed swords series. Now I played both crossed swords one and two And I picked two, and two is better, and I'll tell you why. But what this game is, um, and it's a little bit hard to explain, so stay with me here. Um, This one is on the Neo Geo CD, but it is a game where it's kind of like Punch-Out, where you look at your character, and he's like a wireframe, so you can see through him. Yeah, exactly. Um, But... You pick one of three characters. There's a knight, there's a, 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 like a female, and then there's like this little kind of roguelike, it's hard to explain, but you pick one of these characters. Yeah. And you, you looking, you're looking through his wireframe body, but you have these controls where you're moving. You can, the reason I picked two was because it has this really cool, Left and right, you hold the C button down, you can go left and right, and he like dodges left and right, like with a with a with a sweep. And then there's a jump button, and then there's also like a strike button. So A, B, and C are controlled. One is like dodge left and right, one is attack, and one is um jump. And then you can do attack, jump, jump attacks, and stuff like that. Um but I never see I never saw these games before, but they are pretty cool. And they have these little cutscenes where it guides you through the story. 
you have a health bar, and then you also have where you hit the, I think it's the D button, and you can do a magic spell depending on the character you have. They'll do like a thing where like a bunch of lightning comes down or a big energy wave comes out and and hits the enemies. So it's kind of almost like a, it's hard to explain, like a punch out style rhythm game, not a rhythm. I don't want to say a rhythm game, but like a punch out style or hack and slash, but you're just moving left and right. So you're not really moving forward. In the game, you collect coins and you can take them into a shop. And in those shops, you can increase your magic recovery so that you can launch your spell more, which is kind of your smart bomb, I guess, for lack of a better term. That kind of damages everything on the screen. Or you can upgrade your level, which increases your health and and your strength. Um, it's, it's kind of a hard one to explain on an audio podcast, but... Um, I had a blast playing this game. Um, it it kind of tapped into, like I was saying, that punch out. Um, or uh, one game I really loved on Dreamcast was Ready to Rumble. It I've never played that. Like I want to play that. Ready to Rumble, I love that game. And I beat all versions on the Dreamcast, Ready to Rumble 1 and 2. Um, but this game's a lot of fun on the Neo Geo. So if you ever get a chance to play it, you should play it. I mean, it's not going to... I'm going to have to download it because I don't think it's on my cart right now. No, uh, there's a guy. Uh, man, I want to find his name out. There is a guy that Derek, converted Derek a guy. game. There's a guy. Oh, there he is. Um, despite never receiving an official MVS AES release, the game was unofficially converted to both platforms in 2015 by homebrew developer NeoBits. Oh, good old NeoBits. Thank you. I'm going to give this a N-E-O-B-I-T-Z. shot. N-E-O-B-I-T-Z. So he made versions of this for AES and MVS, so you can just put them on there and then you're good to go. But I had a blast with this game, and there are like some skeleton bosses um, that are a blast to play. That's so right. Let me get to some game. skeletons here. Hold on. I haven't even seen a skeleton, Eric. I don't believe you. That's like a frog boss. That's a frog. Keep going. More frogs. More frogs. We're definitely in a frog level. Yeah, this is a froggy level. Now we're at Act 6. More frogs. Lots of frogs. Man. That's a turtle, a snapping turtle. I'm Some telling really you, cool I saw... They might have been... I thought they were in the beginning. Well, I remember seeing them when early. you When you uh, stop halfway through each level for the shop, yeah. it's a scantily clad woman that wants to sell you things. Yeah, exactly. So that's that's a thing. First level is like robots. Yeah, I'll have to take your word for it, Eric. There's skeletons in here somewhere. I don't there see are why skeletons in this. I don't see why I, there I, wouldn't I, be, but... Yeah. There are skeletons. Right now, it's mostly frogs and robots for some reason up, up front. <laughs> All there right. are a lot of frogs. There's I'm surprisingly gonna, you know, a lot of frogs. Shoot way down here. There's samurai later in the game. Like ice monsters. Yep. Ninjas. More samurai. I'll call those I really samurai thought ninjas. There was, I thought it was in the beginning there were skeletons. I, I guarantee you there are skeletons in here. All right. Well, if you guarantee it, who am I to... I guarantee it. I guarantee it. Men's Warehouse. <laughs> anyway, All right. That's my second game. My second game is a very Cody pick. 
Okay. And that is Contra 3 on the Super Nintendo. Now. Nice. You know I love me some Contra. I know. The one on the Super Nintendo I've probably played the least. I've played the first Contra on the NES. I say the first Contra on the NES, but it was arcade. The arcade was terrible. The first good Contra on the NES. The second Contra Super C is the one I grew up with. On the Genesis came Contra Hardcore, which is C-O-R-P-S, Corpse, Hardcore. And then on the Super Nintendo was Contra 3, which we really should do a battle of systems between those two Contras because they're both the third Contra in the series, but they went different ways for those different 16-bit systems for some reason. That'd be fun. I haven't played Contra 3, The Alien Wars, as much as the other three. Uh, In fact, there's actually another one, Contra... Oh, there's another one on the NES where they went with a completely different um, developer, and it was not good. But it, it was another Contra 3. But this is a real Contra 3. The Alien Wars on the Super Nintendo. And I'm not going to talk a ton about this game because it's Contra. It's delicious. It's amazing. Love me running guns. Love me. You know, Contra is my number one running gun. Metal Slug being close behind if you prefer the metal slug style of con or style of running gun this is kind of a mix between nes contra but with like all of the craziness going on in the metal slug series um the first level always starts off with just wackiness contra games are kind of known for yes being a running gun but it's a running gun kind of in the in the vein of ghouls and ghosts where as soon as you shoot something something else pops up on the screen so you don't really get a break to rest you don't destroy enemies and then you've passed them. You are constantly trying to move forward and you're killing enemies only to give you a modicum of a second of respite before the next enemy pops up. Um, there's vehicles to hop in and things like Metal Slug, but really it's all about the shooting. Uh, it's all about the laser and the scatter gun, which are the kind of the weapons of choice for most Contra aficionados. The, the, the spread shot shooting out five of these red bullets. Um, you also have the machine gun, and then the laser shoots out this long, straight laser that goes, bow, bow. it's very, very specific. You can't forget it. And this Contra pays homage to all the previous Contras by doing lots of things the previous ones did, but stepping it up a notch with the same tight gameplay, very Japanese, very tight precision gameplay. Absolutely love it. Um, Super C entered, uh, started this kind of thing where you do these side-scrolling running gun levels, um, yeah. And then you do these top-down running gun levels on even every even stage, right? So odd, even, odd, even. Uh, this game didn't go quite that far, but it does have two top-down stages. And to me, that's the weak point of this game, and you'll see one right here. And that's because they tried to use the Super Nintendo Mode 7 to do this rotating top-down thing, which is very... Um, the gameplay itself isn't bad. It's just... Disc, what's the word? Discombobulating? What's the word I'm looking for? It, that, it feels that might weird. explain it. it. It's definitely not Contra-ish, right? <laughs> I mean, it's still a running gun, but it's like a top-down running gun. And when yeah. you turn, it rotates the entire screen. So it's kind of um, there's a word I just can't think of for some reason where it's, it's disorienting. There's the word I'm looking for. Okay. Um, nonetheless, all the standard levels are great, and even those top-down levels are are good. They're just disorienting, but they are good. Uh, but Eric, you haven't asked the question that everybody else is thinking to themselves right now. It's I, ha- con- I, I have a question on my on my tip of my tongue. What is it, Eric? Where's the skeletons? 
Well, I'm glad you asked, my friend, because <laughs> this game, Contra 3 Alien Wars, is known primarily for one particular boss. Okay. Which we're about to get to here. And uh, the boss actually has a sub-boss first. So what we're missing on this list, we've been talking skeletons. And and what I say to you is, uh, you of, of small mind have not gone <laughs> far enough. I'm talking about robot skeletons, Eric. I'm talking about okay. if aliens came to Earth, yeah. they're obviously... I mean, and these are aliens we see later in the game. They're not humanoid at like like at all. So right. It means they had to go out of their way to research who we were, how we worked, and say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make a version of a human that is a robot to attack the humans. They had to go out of their way to create this whole different thing, specifically uh, to scare us. And not only did they create two robot skeletons to battle at the end of level four, You'll see shortly, Eric, that once you destroy these robots, which are conveniently colored in different colors, one is tan and one is blue, um, shooting at you and attacking you uh, oafishly in slow manner. But then, here comes the surprise of the game, right? I have to wait for you to experience it in real time here, Eric. Oh, man, you just beat those two robot bosses. Oh, and by the way, skeletons in many games break apart and attack you with just parts of their body. Yeah. But you destroyed those robots. Now we're just sitting there in this room. What's going to happen now? Is that a large robot claw tearing the wall open? Yes, it is. Because now we have it's a Mr. super gigantic robot. It's Mr. Bones. <laughs> it's Mr. Bones the robot. It's a gigantic tin uh, titanium skeleton that's attacking you in this particular level with all kinds yeah. of craziness. But what I love about it is it's one of the most iconic boss fights in Contra as well as in 16-bit dumb period. Uh, and it's because it, it, it plays in a cool way where, you know, you, once you learn how the attacks work and how different things follow you and the way the fire works shooting out of its mouth, it becomes, um, a timing game. It becomes a knowing what you're doing game and you eventually can get through this boss like most Contra games without any damage at all, purely on knowledge and skill which you gain by playing the game over and over again, which is why I've always loved these games. You feel like a part of my French badass playing this game. Yeah, I can see that. And killing that skeleton over and over and over again as he claws through the back wall, stretching it apart to attack you, only to have it shut on his own face when you kill him. Bazinga. <laughs> Crazy. Crazy Contra. There we go. Uh, let's hop to your third game, which is also Tim's game, which is also my game, because I love this game as well, but I'll let you talk about it. Well, yeah, well, bo- let's both talk about it in tribute to Tim. I like it. This is Brick Rick Graveyard Shift. Boom, boom, boom. Uh, this game was uh, by Juan Martinez. Yep, Juan Martinez, although... Yeah, yeah, it was Juan Martinez, but I wanted to... Was this game based on anything? It no. was based off its first game, which was called Brick Rick on the Amstrad that's, CPC. That's right, that's right, that's what I was thinking. It came out one year earlier. Brick Rick Graveyard Shift, and this is uh, by our good friend Juan Martinez, who's been on the show before in an interview with Tim. Um, but this game is so much fun. Um, there's many, many levels in this game. Uh, it is a game that is kind of like a Snow Bros. That's what it reminds me of, Snow Bros. And um, 
I mean, a little bit of bubble bobbles, bubble bobble, snow yeah. bros, um, nightmare. Um, the game I like on Neo Geo, Nightmare in the Dark. Um, but it's a platformer where you're running around, and Rick Brick Rick likes to throw his bricks, and he stuns the enemies on the screen, and then you can run into the enemy to knock him off, uh, where he will run. What do you? How do you explain that? Like run through the level. Stunning any enemies he touches, and then you have to run and hit those enemies. Yeah, you kind of stun you, them. They got stars spinning above their heads, and at that point, you got to actually physically walk over to them and touch them to knock them off the level. Yep. And once you clear the level, um, and by the way, these guys will drop bonuses and like little pieces of dynamite that will kill anything on the level, or other little point bonuses. Um, this game I should mention was on the, uh, ZX spectrum 128 K. Um, it has music, it has sound. It's, it's, it's really a very well polished game. Um, there are many, many levels. I was trying to 50 see how many is there 50, five, zero 50 levels. And the monsters included in this are pumpkin head, a skeleton. That's right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wolfman, a wolf, Wolfman. I said Wolfman. Wolfman could be a wolf woman. I don't know. Frank, magician, Doctor Evil, Alien, and Reaper. Um, so it's got a ton of classic like aliens and and monsters and stuff like that. So it's a perfect Halloween game. Um, there are fifty, like you said, fifty stages in total. I probably got through about maybe 20 levels. I mean, there's a lot of game to this game. So, I mean, you could be playing this for a long time. The graphics on the ZX Spectrum are excellent. Um, I, I This game is just a classic. It is, it is awesome. What do you it, have to say about it? It is a modern classic. So, the original Brick, Brick Rick came out on the Amstrad. And I think because of the Amstrad's color palette and the way it works, I think it's a better looking game. Um, where Brick Rick is a construction worker... And uh, the, the things he's battling in that are actually mostly aliens, which is just an interesting thing. Why not have a construction worker fight aliens? Um, I'm not sure what made Juan want to do another Brick Rick game, this time on the Spectrum and this time with nightmarish Halloween creatures instead. But I will say this one plays better than the, the Amstrad game. Um, the Amstrad grain, the, when you throw the bricks, there, it doesn't go very far. It feels a little choppier. This just plays like butter. Gameplay is king. Um, most of these levels here are more pretty monotone. They have black, white, and usually like blue or one other color. Uh, but yeah, the, the gameplay, gameplay is king. And, and every time I play this, I get caught up in it and more or less have to stop myself from playing it. Uh, similar to you, I've never played through all 50 levels, but again, just watching it right now and knowing that it is October, this might be my, my game along with pump kid that I need to start playing every year. Cause it is just a fun, addictive game. The challenge each level isn't terribly difficult. Usually when you make a mistake, it's your own fault. So I could see this game being one where the first time you play it, you get three levels in the next time you get six and then maybe the next time you get 10. Yep. And eventually you work your way up to just minimizing mistakes and being beaten all 50. Um, the nice thing is that every level has a password. So you can put yep. that password in and start at that level. Excellent, excellent game. Another great example of not just because we have had him on the show and have talked to the guy, but a great example of how gameplay is king and that 
modern programmers have a lot more to choose from or, or to base things off of what makes gameplay good than the old developers because a, a still screenshot of this game, although he does he did a great job with the character and making these characters um, have personality, it this is gameplay is king. It, he made a yep. great playing game that's addictive, fun to come back to, and uh, there's a reason like my top eight of my top ten Commodore games and Spectrum games are modern titles. It's because they just they do gameplay right, and this is a great example of that. Yep, agreed. So one thing I should mention is that. There's a timer that time that starts to go down as you're running. And I, I've never run out of time on a level so far. But the more time you have on the timer when you clear the stage, it it adds to your point value. So this is an excellent game to play to try to get a high score. Yeah. Uh, the other the other thing I will say about the original Brick Rick, the levels were a lot more varied. Mm-hmm. So I will say this game is a little more same samey than the original Amstrad game. Um, now I'm curious to see if your opinion on that. So I'll have you Amstrad CPC brick, brick, just, just kind of show you the difference here so you can, can see it. Now, of course the first one has no Halloween theme, no skeletons. It's aliens. Um, which is still, I guess it could be Halloween-y, I guess. Um, especially with Migo Aaron talking about UFOs. (laughs) Um, so here's the original game, and you'll see the oh, colors yeah, are different. Playing this, yeah, and as you can see, it's a little choppier, but the levels are a lot more different um, because of the expanded color palette. It's a little more visually impressive, yeah. but again, it's gameplay is king, and I think the Spectrum version did it that much better. Yeah, I think you're right. The, I can tell the bricks are seem to launch a little slower. And not as far. It's a harder game and a little bit more frustrating game here. Yeah. The um, aliens move very fast and your bricks move kind of slow. Yeah. Yeah. So, no, I get it. Yeah, the ZX Spectrum, again, like, it's pretty interesting that the ZX Spectrum, it, it seems to be, like, fighting outside of its weight class a lot of the times. And what I will say about it is I have my copy of Brick Rick Graveyard Shift right here in my hand. Oh, sweet. My copy uh, from the 4.99 range at uh, the future was 8-bit. So yeah, they do. They sell the version of that. I noticed that. I so got my really cool. my copy of this game. By the way, we should probably put that on the news. Maybe we'll do it next month. That we haven't mentioned. There's a whole new range of games because everything's gone up. They have the original 4.99 range, which now sells yeah. for 6.99. Okay. Uh, but now they have additional games, which are now just part of the 6.99 range. Okay, and there's like there's like ten or twelve games we haven't talked about since they've come out with them, so we should we should look into those for sure. That's that sounds like a November, like a November thing. I like it. Cool. And I've got one last game for our six good games. Yep. And that game is called. You might not have heard of this franchise before, but it's actually a franchise game called Goonies. Have you heard of Goonies, Eric? I have. In fact, I have the Famicom version right here. You do. There it is. And it's got that really interesting Famicom artwork where it's only artwork with no name, which is just bizarre to me. But, Eric, if I were to tell you that the game I'm talking about today is completely, well, not completely, but it is a completely different game than the Famicom game. Yeah, I'm talking about another game called The Goonies, also made by Konami. But instead of making it for the Famicom, this is a version for the MSX. 
Now, I've played The Goonies, and I've played a little bit, and I've played The Goonies 2, which is, was not a movie, but it was a game on the Nintendo in America. Yes. And I couldn't figure out what I was doing, and I just got frustrated. I've never taken the time to pull, like try to find a manual and look it up and play the game. But for some reason, The Goonies on the MSX released in 1986. Again, the MSX being a Japanese computer similar to like the Commodore 4, uh, 64, 8-bit computer over in Japan. Um, Konami gave a lot of love to the MSX. And this game is no different. There's something about this game that I just find very playable and immediately understandable. So, first of all, the concept is similar in that you're going through like four or five rooms a level, going back and forth through different doors to try to find all the keys to unlock all the gates to let all of your goonies out and save them. Uh, meanwhile, there are skulls and skeletons everywhere trying to catch you. And it's, it's pretty simple. You, you find a key, you find a gate that needs a key to open the gate, you open the gate, you find the goonie inside, you save them, avoiding skeletons, avoiding water dripping from the ceiling, avoiding stalagmites and stalactites from falling on you. I can't remember which one's top or bottom. Um, and you have the ability to punch. You have the ability to jump. And you can punch and jump things. There's a, like in this case, there's a yellow bad guy right here that shoots at you with a gun. You can still punch him. In that case, he doesn't actually die. He um, simply gets stunned for a little while while you run off. But the game is straightforward. It's very clear what you need to do. And it's a whole heck of a lot of fun. Uh, you have, I think, eight different levels and a picture on the bottom showing how many Goonies you have to collect still and how many you've already collected. Um, sometimes treasures will pop up that you can catch that will give you a different abilities that kind of add to what you're doing. Uh, some of the abilities are actually negative effects, uh, which you kind of learn throughout the time. But it almost gives me a Montezuma's Revenge revi uh, vibe, which is a game I love. And it's kind of one of those games that you're going to play and you're going to die and the next time you play it you're going to learn from how you died and do a little bit better and then do it again and learn and do a little bit better and ultimately it's the same style of gameplay as the famicom version but i just don't think the famicom version translate into as much fun or as as much um it's not as clear what you're trying to do and i think part of that is that you're zoomed in more and your screen scrolling around so you don't see the full map that you're on at any given time right um yeah that's the goonies on the msx oh it looks good i don't think i've ever played it on the msx have you have you played much on the uh nes or famicom versions i've played it a little bit but i played the goonies a lot on the commodore 64 how does that compare it's different it's a lot different so I, I, it's been many, many years since I've played it, but it's. Well, I'm going to look it up because yeah, there's that's a lot more. Go, like from what I remember, there's there's a lot more going on. <laughs> yeah, and that's what I felt, and I think with with the Famicom version, I, I want to say it's similar to the Commodore version, and it feels like there's a lot more going on, but I don't think there necessarily is. I think it's more of a, it's just not conveyed as clear. Nope, that looks like a whole lot more going on. Yeah, I mean. The, when I because I when I got this game as a kid, I pirated it. Okay, <laughs> so let's just get that out of the way. So well, I didn't have right a manual. Now. I didn't know what I was doing. Um, but when I started playing this, there is a lot of like weird puzzles and 
things that I just didn't understand. So while the game was gra- on that barrel. <laughs> yeah. Well, the game was graphically impressive. It was not the easiest game to figure out for a kid that didn't have the manual. <laughs> this. Yeah. I'm, I'm watching it now and it looks super involved, but it looks good. Right. I mean, that's what, that's what the funny thing was in my little group of friends. Like we were like, Oh man, I got the Goonies. I downloaded it last night and we would trade the discs and stuff. And then we would be like, what are we doing? What, what are you doing this? I I don't, I don't get it. Yeah. Um, but it, you wanted to, because it looked so good. I mean, this game looks like it'd be fun. It looks better on the MSX. <laughs> probably. You're probably Just saying. right. Just saying. Yeah. Although this one has skeletons as well. So there you go. It you does. That. But it's different, right? I mean, this oh, is completely different. different. Yeah. Yep. And I would be drawn to the MSX version first and foremost. Yeah. So there we go. And that's six good cool. games with skeletons in it, Eric. That's right. I'm so sad that for another 11 months, we can't talk, discuss, play any horror-themed games. That's right. Now, I don't know. I want to reveal the curtain here, but in our notes, you put this link in there from Etsy. What was this? Oh, I did. Thank you for reminding me. This was to prove that um, the skeleton in Contra <laughs> was kind of a big deal. So if you go yeah, to Etsy, yeah, see. you can download this 3D shadow box artwork of your character on the walls with the skeleton robot attacking, breaking through the back wall, and you're shooting it. That's totally like a shadow box, like a little diorama. It's perfect, because that scene looks like that it looks it looks exactly like that you're which right is, which is very cool and the other thing i didn't mention during that game is that contra is really it, you can play it one player and it's almost a little bit easier playing it one player but it's really made to be two players like it's designed well so that two players are working together to make things happen yeah I can and see so that. the shadow box has two both players kind of attacking which is cool but the shadow box kind of want really this cool. yeah kind of want this so there we go. There we go. Eric, that is an yeah. episode of Pixel Guide N. It is. Next month, hopefully, we'll have Tim back. It'll be November. It'll be a month to give thanks. At least in America. In England, Six they don't... good turkey games. <laughs> Actually, one already popped into my mind. Oh, did you? <laughs> right when you said that, I'm like, oh, I, I just thought of a turkey game. That is bizarre. <laughs> Um, I don't know what we're going to do yet, but we've no. got some ideas in the hopper. I don't know if we'll do tricky games. I don't know if we'll get more than one game or not. But I'm ready. And this, fun. and this month, we, we did everything in one shot, which means I have a full month to prepare and practice and play games for the next episode. So that'll be good. I definitely want to pick the games early, though, so I have plenty of time to play. Yes. Agreed. And cool. Tim can join us. We'll just make Tim do the whole episode and make up for him not being here this month. Exactly. Perfect. That would be fun. All right, Eric. Well, I appreciate you, my friend. And right remember, it's, it's dangerous, dangerous to, to go, go alone. alone. Thank you again for listening. You can find episode information and show notes online at pixelguiden.com. Please follow us on Twitter at pixel underscore guiden. And you can also follow Eric at the project. That's D U H project. You can also follow Cody on Twitter at oddball 49. That's O D D B A one one four nine. 
You can reach Tim Drew as well on Twitter at Sanction. That's S-A-N-X-I-O-N. If you are interested in supporting the show financially, please join us at our Patreon account. That's patreon.com forward slash pixel guide in. Please leave a review to help get our podcast listed higher up on the show rankings. We would also love to hear from you with any comments or input. So hit us up on our email at podcast at pixelguiden.com. <laughs>